Welcome to Space Nerds, your source for intergalactic science fiction and science fact. Engines primed, engage! Hey, hey, this is Alexandria. I'm Jane Smith. And I'm Douglas Gale. And I will be bringing you Space News, Star Trek, Duck Space Nine, Firefly, Black Mirror, and probably superhero stuff. Dystopian fiction! Who's excited? I'm Jesse Mercury, and I'll be your constant cosmic companion, bringing you the weekly space news and sitting down with these amazing friends to talk about science fiction. We are Space Nerds! You mean, when am I going to stop fiddling around with shit on the table? that's what I mean. Literally never! What's up, Space Nerds? (laughs) Welcome to the show! I'm here with Douglas Gale. Doug, how are you? I'm building a station! (laughs) Like a space station? A space station. Great. But on Earth, it's an Earth station. Okay. Okay. I don't know what that means, <laughs> but good for you. That, if you. I'm just saying if you hear any kind of banging or clanging in the background, yes. don't worry about it. Okay. It's just Got me it. working on my government contract. Okay. Great. Um, well, Doug is here. We are returning to our Space Nerds side project, which is talking through the entirety of the CW Arrowverse, the largest TV watching project I've ever undertaken in my entire life. It is very... It will never end. Very overwhelming. <laughs> yes. And it took months, months for me to get through Arrowverse Year 6. Doug's been waiting for me for weeks now. Yeah, not so bad, though. I mean, I slowed down myself. There was a huge gap there where it was like, you know, because we were doing this before, in the before times, as everyone likes to say, right. which delights me to no end, right. despite everything being awful. Yeah. Uh, so that... Once the the whole coronavirus sort of thing slammed down, that changed, you know, everything for everybody. Right. And I feel like, you know, you know, we were kind of keeping a pace and then everything went off the rails for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Everything has gone off the rails in so many ways. And now that the uh, Black Lives Matter, George Floyd protests are happening, we've, we've been having a lot of talks behind the scenes about what we're doing on the Space Nerds podcast, how we're moving forward and... Uh, I have to announce that, unfortunately, Star Trek Club and Star Wars Club are both going to be indefinitely postponed. Um, There are several people involved with the podcast who are unable to participate at the moment for a variety of reasons, and they are all totally legitimate reasons. And everyone who's involved is always welcome to come back at any time and participate. Um, But we're, yeah, we're just going to keep plugging forward. We've got Doug Space Nine. We've got uh, Firefly and Black Mirror that are going to continue. And we're going to be talking a lot about what's happening in the world on the podcast. I feel like uh, I'm I'm personally very much feeling the need to use this platform as a form of protest against what's happening in our country because things are truly awful for so many people. And we will get into some of that today when we talk about uh, season one of Black Lightning because it's inspired by some real-world events that are truly, truly horrible. The the Tuskegee... Is that how you said that word? Tuskegee? Tuskegee? The Tuskegee syphilis experiment um, that happened in America between 1932... Tuskegee. Tuskegee, thank you. The Tuskegee syphilis experiment... Um, so we are, we're going to be talking about that today and, you know, pretty much moving forward, continuing to express our support for the Black Lives Matter movement and for equal rights for people of color in this country. So that is going to remain a part of the podcast for the foreseeable future. And, um, yeah, I just want to have that out there because that's something that's super important to me and we're going to continue to talk about it. 
Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Even though on this episode, it's just two white dudes talking about it. But, right. you know, um, I keep hearing this from all corners of, you know, the world, which is that everyone needs to stand up and fight right now. Every, you know, we, we can't just rely or put the burden onto people of color to tell us what's happening to them. We need to do research for ourselves and and learn about what's happening and speak up. And everyone needs to take part in that. We're going to continue to do that. Yeah, I think that's legitimate. Yeah. But we're also going to continue to talk about what brings us together, which is science fiction and our love of outer space and learning about the universe and all that sort of fun <laughs> stuff. Aspirational TV shows. Aspirational, exactly. Yes. <laughs> but it is interesting because one of the ongoing things that we've talked about through... This is year six of Arrowverse. Yeah. Because uh, it's still at this point, we're still in line with Arrow being a show. So right. season six of Arrow, year six of Arrowverse. But in all the previous five, one of the things we've talked about are things like: uh, Are these shows doing things to address diversity? Are these shows doing things where it's uh, representation or? Um, actual discussions you know mm -hmm. and, and where do they fall on that kind of spectrum absolutely yeah and in many ways this show is not going to change at all because we've already been talking about these things for forever i mean you know alexandra and i have been talking about black lives matter on the uh on the black mirror episodes for i mean since they've started so yeah yeah i mean but we are gonna i mean i'm personally trying to be a little bit more um deliberate with that like it's been coming up a lot on the show but i'm now like seeking out extra information and things like that because i just feel like that's the that's what i can do as a content creator to be a part of these protests and that's something that's very important to me so doug i appreciate yeah, i appreciate you coming along with me on this journey today sure and also i have exciting news so you know it is it is uh maybe disappointing to some that we are not able to continue with star trek club right now but since I've gotten in the habit of putting out two episodes a week and, and fi realizing that I can do that if I, you know, streamline my editing process, I'm going to start putting out episodes of Doug Space Nine weekly to get us caught up Ooh. to real time because uh, Doug Space Nine started as a live stream and was not a part of the podcast for like a year, year and a half. And we got through all the way through season one and into the beginning of season two around the time when space nerds sort of sucked up Doug space nine and started <laughs> putting those out on the podcast as well. Um, so we're going to start putting those out once a week to get caught up and then get back to doing those in real time, because I do like being able to address what's happening in the world as we make these podcasts. And yes, I know yeah. that deep space nine came out decades ago and <sighs> that is, it's like timeless content that we're hopefully creating. But, um, but yeah, I like the immediacy of, of being able to record and release things right away and not having this giant backlog of stuff that I'm trying to release. So I, I'm going to take this opportunity to get more Doug space nine out. And those things were recorded in a simpler time before the coronavirus pandemic and before the social upheaval that's happening right now. So it is a nice way to have some, some escapism, to you know talk about things in a way that felt less like the world was falling apart yeah so we'll basically switch off every uh, every other episode the world will be falling apart <laughs> 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 all right doug well i picked out a very special space news to start out our podcast discussion today are you ready Ooh. to get into the space news i am let's do it space news space news <laughs> space news <laughs> it's news that takes place in space yeah all right 
Doug, this is just for you. This is from Popular Mechanics. Why we should really put a particle accelerator on the moon. (laughs) (laughs) For superheroes, obviously. We need to generate dark matter. Done. You don't have to read the article. How else are we going to create metahumans? All right. So this is actually really interesting. Uh, So in in a March 1988 issue of Popular Mechanics, the legendary science fiction author Isaac Asimov wrote an article describing his vision for humanity's return to the moon. So this is fun because this is like a modern day popular mechanics hearkening back to something that happened in 1988. Oh yeah, neat. In the article, Asimov envisioned the year 2028. Humans, or Lunarians as he called them, are thriving on the moon. How do you feel about Lunarians, Doug, for people living on the moon? Old old sci-fi dudes, they're kind of adorable in (laughs) their vision of the future. What's better, like moon men, moon people, the moonsters? You know, that's a really good question. What would we call people that live on the moon? Yes. And I don't know. I mean, I think it's, I think it would, co- like, how often do we call each other earthlings? Yeah, I'd never. say fairly rare. Well, if we spread so, out through the solar system, those things are going to change, I think. You know, belters, yeah. earthers, Martians. Yeah. 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 Martians kind of make sense. It's just like, you know, I mean, I feel like it depends. There'll probably be like some people will they will call them lunatics because <laughs> why not? <laughs> lunatics, loonies, you know. But yeah, I I think moon men, moon people, that's the kind of thing that will yeah. will wind up. Well, I'd like to veto moon men, even though I suggested it for not being gender neutral. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Mooners. The mooners. I actually kind of like lunarians. I think that's kind of loonies. Kind of sexy. It's not bad. Where are you from? Ooh, I'm from Luna. I like it. <laughs> um, okay, so basically Isaac Asimov suggested in 1988 that we build a par- particle accelerator on the moon um, to give us new insight into the nature of matter. So this article continues, particle accelerators use electric fields to propel a beam of charged particles. Physicists use electromagnets, electromagnets to steer the particles along either a linear or a circular path. So Doug, watching so many seasons of the flash do we even know what particle accelerators are based off of the flash because i feel i think we don't <laughs> like I, well, they live in I, one i think i kind of do but i may be wrong here's the thing i don't have a real firm grasp grasp on fake science let alone real science <laughs> so let's let's start there well, and that's i don't why even we're here even like pop science it's like yeah i kind of follow stuff so if a particle accelerator is the same thing or in the same family as the large hadron collider yes then i get the gist of it that that's then i believe I that large hadron collider is a particle accelerator i believe so yeah so then yeah, yeah it, so in that case then it's just like a it's like a big underground donut tube that you <laughs> use to shoot microscopic things at each other yeah, it's like the the faster you shoot these charged particles, you can learn about how they react. You can learn about states of matter by by shooting them really fast in either a circle or a straight line. Super, yeah, when we were kids, my friend and I, we would make Lego vehicles. We'd each have like, we'd divide the pile of Legos between us. Like you get half, I get half. And then we would make any kind of vehicle that we want. And then we would smash them into each other. And then... <laughs> That would be the game is that to see like who survived. And then there was like weird rules like, okay, I can take the pieces that fell off yours and try to use them to improve mine, you know, just 
make them up kids game. And I feel like that's fundamentally the exact same thing that's happening here. Are you claiming credit for inventing the particle accelerator? I feel like I should at least get a shout out. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, so... A modern-day scientist, 30 years after Asimov first floated this idea, Nikolai Zatsev, um, is currently talking about this and explaining why the moon is indeed the perfect environment for a particle accelerator. And in fact, this is a really good idea that we might actually want to think about doing. Like, we might actually want to build a particle accelerator on the moon because there's a lot of reasons why it makes more sense than building one here on Earth. So they actually break down several of these reasons in this article. It's super interesting. Let's get into it. So one of the things you need for a particle accelerator is a vacuum. On Earth, physicists have... Physicists... I can't speak English today. These Mm -hmm. these are hard words. Physicists have created... It's like when you say judicial system and you sound drunk no matter what. Judicial system. I can't say particle accelerator without sounding drunk. I'm like Harry Physicists. Physicists have created a vacuum (laughs) through which the beam will travel. Uh, physicists have created a vacuum through which the beam will travel free of gas molecules, molecules, Boy. And m- <laughs> microscopic grains of dust. I'm I'm sober today. I just need to smoke some weed so I can get into my normal <laughs> headspace. Um, the moon has no atv- atmosphere and thus exists in a vacuum. The conditions that physicists work so hard to create here on Earth are already built into the lunar environment. So, building a vacuum on Earth is hard. It already exists on Earth. You need a vacuum to have proper particle accelerate particle acceleration experiments take place. Why not build one where there's already a vacuum? It makes perfect sense. Temperature. Yeah. In order to cool the powerful magnets that steer the particles, accelerators need to operate in frigid temperatures. The high-powered magnets that steer the particles must be cryogenically cooled. Some of the coldest temperatures in the solar system, try minus 413 degrees Fahrenheit, have been observed in the shadows of lunar craters near the moon's poles. So it's already plenty cold. Um, Tidal locking. Additionally, the one side of the moon is always facing Earth. This would be crucial for Earth-based detectors, which would be positioned to intercept streams of neutrinos. So we could actually shoot neutrinos from the moon to Earth, and because the moon is always facing, one side of the moon is always facing Earth, uh, we, that would always line up, which is really cool. I mean, obviously, it's rotating around the Earth, and we need to account for that, but there's a lot of things that would need to be kind of accounted for and built into this um, that the moon, building on the moon would take care of naturally. And the last, the last thing here is proximity. Well, it's the closest world to us. If we're ever going to stick a particle accelerator on another world, it ought to be the moon. And I'm just hearing, <laughs> I'm just hearing Alexandria's voice in my head right now saying, like, why are we building a particle accelerator on the moon when we have so many problems to fix here on, here on Earth? And I know, I know you're so right, Alexandria, speaking to me in my imagination, because especially right now, there's so much happening. But if we're looking into the utopian future that I hope humanity will reach, if we are doing the science that particle accelerators are used for, and and we have the resources, we have the means to get one built on the moon, if, you know, SpaceX can help us launch up the pieces and build this thing on the moon, is, you know, the Artemis missions from NASA are looking to build a permanent camp and permanent science on the moon. Like, this is something that makes a lot of sense and could be really exciting as far as learning about um, the way that, you know, neutrinos, gravity waves, the way that matter behaves. Like, this could be a really incredible way to do that. I will take issue with their last point, though. Yeah. Their last point is basically, hey, if we want to build a particle accelerator on another planet, the moon's closest. <laughs> that feels like, if you're like, hey, listen, I want to build a particle accelerator on the moon, and I've got three really solid good reasons on why to do it. Yeah. One, the moon's a vacuum. 
Two, it's fucking super cold on the moon. Three, well, the moon is closer than any other planet. Like, well, you're the one that wanted to put it on the goddamn moon. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing that closer you- than the planet we're already on. Right. Who said who said anything about putting it on Mars, you ding dong? You're the one that brought up the moon. Yeah. So, I'm just saying your three point argument, not yours. Yeah. The original author's three point argument sure. really falls apart after argument two of its gold. Well, what about this? Can I add a point four? Is that sometimes particle well, accelerators explode. Sometimes they explode <laughs> and they release dark matter across Central City and create yeah. metahumans and most of them are bad. Most of them are bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, if we didn't have the Flash, would we need... I mean, sure, the Flash is great when he's not being a whiny jerk, but if we didn't have the Flash, <laughs> we wouldn't have all these other metahumans either, and maybe we'd be maybe we'd be safer. I mean, the Flash has broken time more times than I can count. It's true. It's true. But it's sort of basically like, if there was no Flash, there wouldn't have been any of these other villains, but there still would have been all these other shenanigans in the Arrowverse, so true it's not like the there's one birth point of the whole metahuman universe that's true because like the more we learn about these worlds the more it's like this has always been around and we just you know learning more about it yep. um okay so this article does bring up some drawbacks uh the sure. obvious the obvious drawbacks of these projects it's far away is that they're incredibly expensive we're just now making yeah. our way back to the moon after a 50-year hiatus and particle accelerator projects are habitually delayed Another concern, uh, Zatsev points out, would be moonquakes. Particle accelerators are incredibly sensitive to movement. The surface of the moon is susceptible to shakes, rattles, and rolls generated by meteorite impacts, thermal cycles, and the tidal forces between the moon and the Earth. It's a tough environment for precise instrumentation. It's like doing a podcast with you. (laughs) No, it's more like doing a podcast with you, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, you're the particle accelerator. You can detect any slight movement. Oh, yeah. And you are a moonquake. You I'm are a moonquake. You're always fucking building something over there. Although I will say that as of last week, we have switched to recording in Discord and the recording quality is so much better. I'm so thrilled. We had talked about like maybe buying some new microphones and stuff and now I feel like we don't need to do that because we've even experimented with some better mics and the quality is not even better when you're recording over the internet. The big difference is the platform. And Discord, thank you for having good audio codecs because it sounds so much better. Anyway, yay! yay. Um, and then there's the radiation. Lunar workers would already be susceptible to harmful cosmic radiation raining down on them, but they would also be exposed to the secondary radiation generated during experiments. So there's a lot, there's a lot of issues that would need to be overcome. Yeah. And maybe... Sorry, go ahead. No, we... It's fine. It's like, yeah, it would be cool to put a base on the moon. It'd be cool to put a giant fucking telescope on the moon. But those are all like... That's like the third and fourth tier down your technology tree you're gonna start doing like the simple stuff like build a lunar base yeah learn how to mine carbon and oxygen from lunar rocks i'm just thinking of it as a video game like but whatever <laughs> whatever the equivalent <laughs> the survival of game be. yeah totally yeah yeah i i know i know it's not it's it's not no man's sky but i'm thinking it's probably simpler <laughs> yeah it's no man's moon so yeah no man's moon so yeah i mean yeah there's downsides to putting a particle accelerator on the moon, which is that it's not fucking really feasible. And there's so much other stuff that we'd have to do. I feel like first it would be bananas to me if the very first long-term sort of structure we built on the moon was a particle accelerator (laughs) because because it is like what about a fucking like hot shower you know like what about a mess hall yeah (laughs) how we gotta live here first 
And then yes. we can start creating metahumans on the moon. Right, right, right. Although, so, season eight <laughs> of The Flash, metahumans on the moon. Like, for real. Like, they yep. build a particle accelerator on the moon, they move out of Central City, they go to the moon, <laughs> and they create a whole new crop of, uh, of like, <laughs> oxygen-deprived metahumans. It's, it's great. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm in. Yeah. Um, yeah, Asimov also, also mentioned this idea of the lunar radio telescope that has been floating around recently. And I honestly, we might've done a space news about it, but I don't even remember at this point yeah. of, of this idea of like building a, no, I think we talked about building a, um, no, yeah, no, yeah. A telescope on the moon. Yeah. Did we talk about yeah. that? I straight up don't remember. Um, no, but I mean, it's, it makes sense. It's yeah. like, Hey, we have the Hubble telescope. Let's just put one on the moon now, you know? Yeah. And if we put it on the far side of the moon facing out, we can get views that we just currently can't get because the moon is in the way. So, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so much incredible science that could be done on the moon or with the moon or something along those lines that I'm super stoked about and would love to see happen. But but we absolutely have to get our shit together here on planet Earth first. We have to learn how to live in harmony with each other first because, like, yeah. let's apply our scientific minds to, you know like hunger and and famine and all these well those are the same thing i guess but well similar yeah I, I, well and, to me my, my my argument would be, I, i'm not discounting what people say of like we have bigger more important things to deal with here which i agree 100 percent. but it's not like okay we should stop doing research on coronavirus yeah. and then people should dedicate that attention to solving certain social ills that the country is facing. And that makes sense on the surface because like, well, yeah, coronavirus is also like a pretty emergent thing right now and it, it's detrimental. But I think that generally that principle applies where, yes, there's money that's going to NASA, and but that money isn't like being taken out of the hands of these other things. Like we can remove money at local levels from police departments, at the federal level from the military, and spend it on other, you know, space kind of stuff, and still have plenty of money to give to these programs if that's what we chose to sure, do. You know, absolutely. we just handed out trillions of dollars to help the juice the economy uh, more or less during the coronavirus thing, and you know. Just six months ago, everyone was saying, like, we can't do Medicare for all because it would cost trillions of dollars. I like, know. Yeah, but we, but we can just do stuff if we want to do stuff. Right. So, just that one-time payment was was like a stopgap measure that cost so much money and yeah. already kind of evaporated as far as, like, actually affecting people's lives is concerned. And that's why it's yeah, so important to vote for people who share yeah. your values, you know? And they're doing no oversight with it, and, and the Trump administration is refusing to even say who's getting the money i mean it's just a fucking nightmare it's always yeah. it's, it's it's you know the, my, my point is is that i get it like and and i do i do agree that like there are more important things but i feel like unless the thing is detracting or taking away from the other one that we are capable of doing multiple things sure know? absolutely and yeah the privatization of space flight is a huge step towards doing multiple things like elon musk just took it upon himself to get men into space and he's done it so yeah i mean like nasa is not the only path to this anymore like private citizens or or scientific groups could come together and try to do things you know i like sidestepping government budgets which is so interesting that that's now happening yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, and like as far as, you know, I, yeah, I feel like we're at this moment in time right now where everyone needs to get involved with the social change that is happening. Like, everyone needs to advocate on some level, except for the researchers who are looking for a coronavirus vaccine who should be spending <laughs> all of their time on that. Like, yeah. they're the only people I feel who are exempt from... Um, from this because like the, the entire well, you the entire human race needs to like, is depending on those people yes but i would say with with one sort of um one not caveat i don't know one addition to that is that a lot can be done by those people who whoever finds the cure that works or whichever one goes into production will have a moment and they'll have a platform at that moment wow. right now you know what i mean like right now no yeah. one gives a shit who it is that's being talked, who's working on it. It's like, great, you're working on it. No one cares until you find it. So the team that finds it will have a moment at the mic, basically, yeah. where the world would listen to them and it won't last, you know, because everyone will be like, thanks for the cure. See you later, science. And then move on with their day. At that time, that's when those people can either it, at the very least advocate for or ideally move the into a situation where the cure is not going to first world wealthy countries first and exclusively you know what i mean because that's oh my god that's yes. gonna be a, that's gonna be wow. a huge issue and, and this isn't just like i thought of a good thing i mean this is a thing that's being talked about widely yeah about what will happen once a cure comes out oh, that's terrifying and, but you're so right though yeah so that's so that's what i mean is like the the scientists that are working on this i would hope can have an influence on how that plays out because that will make a huge difference in in what happens to the lives of people um, once a cure is is in place. And the world needs people like that to stand up. People who are scientifically minded, who see what's happening in this country and are willing to stand up against it. I think that that's that's so true, Doug. That's such a good point. And that's the Thank space you. news. Space news. <laughs> space news. All right, Doug. It is time to dive into the Arrowverse year six. It's been a while Cheers. since you and I have had a one-on-one freeform sci-fi nerd jam like we're about yeah. to have. Because <laughs> yeah. we've been doing our group discussions. But right, I got to say, <laughs> the group discussions are better, you think? <laughs> I like it all, man. I mean, I've been listening, re-listening to the old Doug Space Nines as we put them out, and they're so fun. I love them. They're fun. Yeah. We got a good dynamic. We do. I like it. But this is going to be a tough one because there's just so much TV to talk about right now. Like, this is the yeah. most... Like, we've added in a show since last time. We added in Black yes. Lightning since last right. time. So, we're yeah. talking about, okay, Arrow Season 6, Black Lightning Season yes. 1, The Flash Season 4, Supergirl Season 3, and Legends of Tomorrow Season 3. And yes. just off the top of the bat, I that's not even a saying, but I said it. What what is your <laughs> what is your order of like best to worst in this year of Arrowverse? Like what's your favorite, what's your least favorite? Well, as always, Legends of Tomorrow still continually ranks very high for me. Yeah. Um and I and I still would put Legends of Tomorrow uh at the top, I think. Um then it's tough. I think it's because Flash had, I think it's best sort of like big bad villain. Oh, yes. That, it, totally. that it's had to date in, in a way that was like, really, it was like, it, it, was, it was profoundly beautiful at times. Oh, my God, yes. As, as how to portray the thinker, a, a villain and kind of 
I don't have a deep DC knowledge, but I don't think the thinker was a very nuanced villain, you know what I mean, from the comic book. So, but whatever, the treatment of it I thought was really well done. But then on the other hand, we have Black Lightning, which I think is is an important show, you know. Mm. I think it's got it's it I don't think it quite finds its legs in this season as a show, but it is it making the the choices that it makes and it, it being like truly like a, a, a black led show in terms of creators, directors, actors, you know, through and through. This isn't just a matter of like, oh, here's some like representation because the the corporate entity wants us to appear more diverse, you know. Right. This is actually like, let's wrestle with these issues. Let's yes. let's tell stories about people of color and about concerns in that community. Yeah, so, totally. So that to me is like, oh, I really also appreciate that. So So you're kind of um, like tied for second place for Flash and Black Lightning? It's tough. I mean, in terms of like, oh, which is which which Flash was a more mature show, but it's also had a number of seasons under its belt. But Black Lightning was a a more nourishing and a more important show just mm. for what it did and how it did it. So, I mean, I guess I could call them tied, but they're, you know, tied for different. They're like both good for different reasons. Yeah. I mean, if you had to pick one and to put them in order, what's, what are you going to put ahead of the other? Um, Probably Black Lightning because yeah. it was... It was such a revelation just to me as like a nerdy white guy watching the first episode of that. And I mean, let's let's also be real here. This is like year six of Arrowverse. That's a long time coming before yeah. they'll do like a, a, you know, a black led show. And it was one of these things you and I had talked about for the other shows in Arrowverse where it was like like Legends of Tomorrow had pretty weak representation out of the gate. Yeah. You know, so there's like these course corrections, little corrections that are happening throughout the years. And it's, you know, six years later. Now it's like, oh, OK, let's actually have people of color kind of like basically have a turn at the mic to do something. Yeah, so. totally. Yeah. OK. And then what What about uh, let's see. Arrow and Supergirl are left, right? Uh, Arrow. Super, was that is that so it's five shows this yeah, isn't that right? Arrow, Black Lightning, Flash, Supergirl, Legends. Okay, yeah. Am I forgetting a uh, show? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I've, I've. <laughs> oh, right, because Batwoman doesn't come till later. Right. Um, Bat- Batwoman, I think, is the next year. Right? Doesn't that start in? No, it's two years from now. Although the viewing order that I no. looked at had it in the next year. Oh, interesting. But I feel like yeah, it, Bat- it, it came out during year eight. But I yeah, think I think that- Batwoman is year eight. But I think the viewing order had it interspersed in year seven, and I'm not sure why. Um, oh, they they're probably doing it for like chronological. Uh, that's a whole se- that's a whole separate chronological conversation we can have. Okay, <laughs> and I haven't seen that show yet, so I wouldn't know what we're talking about. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Long story short, when they introduce Batwoman in a crossover episode, oh. it's further along in the story than the first season, basically oh, the first few episodes oh, of that season happen. So gotcha. Okay. That makes perfect. She sense, shows actually. up in the crossover. She's established. Yeah. Then when they do Batwoman, it gets origin story time. So yeah. Well, given that we're not why. talking about Batwoman this we can time, skip that. <laughs> let's talk about the fact that, 
that Kate Kane, Ruby Rose, was is leaving the show. And I haven't even watched oh Batwoman yet, but I know. Yeah, that but was... she's leaving after one season and they're not recasting the character, they're just replacing the character, someone else, probably someone new to the DC continuity, but we don't even know that. Maybe like they kind of like do a lot of fuckery with like different people taking up different mantles, but someone else is yeah. gonna take up the mantle of Batwoman in season two. That is so wild. Yeah, I mean, I hope it works well, and we'll 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 get into all that later. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, and then the elongated man. Oh got yeah, bounced. Hartley Sawyer. For, yeah, is, for being a dink. <laughs> is yeah, he's being um, fired over old racist and misogynist tweets. Yeah, which is good. I mean, fuck that, but still, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, a lot of shakeups I mean, in Arrowverse year. Yeah, I I want there to be space in the world for people to fuck up and then realize they've done wrong and do better in the future and apologize and learn. I I, I think it really, and I don't know the full context here with the elongated man, but just the snippets that I read, it seemed like, oh, yeah, I think bouncing him is probably not a bad idea. Like, if he wants to have a mea culpa and then try to rebuild stuff on his own from there, that's great, but it would feel difficult, especially in this moment to have a show, these, these shows that are trying to, it seems to me, be uh, positive voices in the world to also take like, Oh, here's this guy. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry oh, about oh, him. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he's yeah, sorry. He I, this yeah. Kind of stuff. If he wanted to come back and the show wanted to come back and then there was some form of, I don't know, like, like, uh, I don't know what I don't know what he would have to do to then have it be like okay now it's palatable that this particular actor is now back yeah. on the show versus just hiring someone else you know like what if he donated his entire year's salary to to Black Lives Matter or some organization like what if he yeah. went to classes to learn about racial sensitivity like what if what if he did the work publicly yeah but also I don't necessarily think that it has to happen because I don't think that you know anyone is owed a job in hollywood yeah sure you know if it if it didn't pan out it didn't pan out there's there's other people who could be given the opportunity and not to put too fine of a point on it but there's probably other not you know uh uh straight cis white dudes that could be a superhero on team flash absolutely that was my only hesitation with with that character um, what is what is the character's name? Elongated man. Oh my god, I'm forgetting. Ralph Dibney. Ralph Dibney. Thank you. I want to live in a world where like all people are represented, and you know we have all sorts of different voices being represented. So like I want to live in that world, but we're not there <laughs> at all. Like we are not there. Where making shows yeah, like Black yeah. Lightning is such a big is such a big deal because it's not done. You know, like right. the fact that that's being done says so much, and it's so powerful, and it's a great show. Like I loved season one of Black Lightning. Right, but it's also a lot of pressure because it's the yeah. one black show. So right. it's 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 ugh, this is the whole other thing about when you have just slivers of representation, then yeah. all of the pressure is on that particular show to you know basically represent all of a thing. Right, which you know, I mean, okay. So the original question was which show was the worst this, this season? Yeah, we're gonna, and gonna the answer it. is. Supergirl. Yes, it is the uh, answer. That's correct. <laughs> uh, but but now that we're you know we kind of got into it, we talked a little bit about Flash, a little bit about Black Lightning, and I you know I think Black Lightning does a good job of 
of portraying different voices within that community, but it's not a community that clearly I have any direct or intimate familiarity with. Mm -hmm. So I do not know what its shortcomings would be for that community. Um, yeah, totally. I know that I've seen other criticisms of this, in particular, Luke Cage, when that had come out on Netflix, where one of the criticisms I saw from, you know, black nerds in, you know, not all, not monolithic, but particular people who were already into superheroes in general and liked, loved the idea of representation, liked the idea of Luke Cage being brought to TV, but the, the complaint being, um, the the respectability uh culture as being what they felt was a center of that particular show of luke cage and I, again i haven't seen that particular criticism leveled against black lightning but i could absolutely see if that was how someone felt about luke cage that a similar thing would be said about black lightning you know difference appears trying to raise uh uh, uh perfect children you know um, and the, and that he's you know he's the principal of the high school so he's demanding this level of like overachieving excellence from everybody but he's also kind of scolding in a way of people that stray from the path but hmm. so so I do I, I think that could be one critique of Black Lightning but that it feels more that it's integrated within the the character you know yeah i agree and yes i i see what you're saying that like because it's the only black show in this you know catalog of like hundreds of episodes of television that it would be easy to say that or it'd be easy to infer that like the actions of these characters represent the black community when in fact they are just the actions of those characters like this is just right. one man um jefferson pierce who is like trying to be the best dad he can be trying to like lead his community in a in an effective way and really being like a center and a pillar of his community as a principal but then at the same time he's also like a vigilante hunting for justice at night and right. i i never i never took him to be representing anything more than like like his own individual self and i loved the way that his character was constructed in season 1 yes. of black lightning i think that I mean, I'll give you my order. My order is that I think Black Lightning was the best of the year um, for a couple of reasons. I loved Legends of Tomorrow. I loved it. I It was yeah. so fun. All hail Bebo. That was the best, <laughs> like, the best fight of the Arrowverse. Yeah. And the best CG fight I've ever seen in my life was, like, Bebo yeah. versus that demon at the end of the season. Malice. I was... I was, like, my jaw was on the floor because I loved it so much. Um, yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, and and Legends of Tomorrow was quality all the way front to back. It was so it was so good, but Black it was the most fun season they've had. It really yeah. like this is like the pinnacle. The way that I forget which season it was for Arrow, or like oh, this is like the perfect Arrow season so far. Not perfect show, but like yeah. its best season for me. That so was that season one of Arrow was its best season. It's been oh, that's so funny. And yeah. season three was great. I love season three. Maybe um, three was the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. That was like a pinnacle. Yeah, um, that's the one like, with um, Ra's al Ghul. Yeah. So so good. three for Legends of Tomorrow, I think we're both agreeing, is the best Legends of Tomorrow season so far. Well, I actually felt like it was on par with season two, which I thought was also like truly excellent. Oh, interesting. I, I, thought interesting. That, I thought Legends of Tomorrow like hit its stride so hard in season two and continued to, yeah. to hold its stride all the way through season three. Mm. 
very, very impressively, considering that they had a lot of major cast switches. Like, yes, I mean, Victor Garber, uh, like both halves of Firestorm left the show. Um, right. Which I didn't expect. Uh, like losing Jackson was rough because I'm like, oh, man, yeah, we're going yeah. to lose Victor Garber. But I've kind of been expecting that, you know, we're going to lose Stein, like right. Martin Stein. Yeah, I expected that. Victor Garber is like a big deal actor and he can only do this for so long. But but I, I always thought that we'd like Firestorm would reform with someone else. And then the, the right. like Jackson left right on his heels. I'm like, oh, damn, that is a gut punch. How is this show going to yeah. continue? Like, what are we going to do? And then. Um, I thought bringing over Wally West was brilliant, like a char- a known character that we already love, who I yes. wanted to see featured more, who had a lot of great character growth. Um, bringing in Constantine was super fun. Bringing yep. in um, Ava. Zari. Uh, oh, yeah. Zari was great. Ava was awesome. I love Zari. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. whole season, like the, the way that they kind of bring in and then remove and then bring in and remove all the, all yeah. the cast shakeups are really impressive. They handle change really well. Yeah. Like this is no, you know, Babylon five. We have to change our plan. How <laughs> right. are we going to do it? This is a, like, well, we live on the seat of our pants and we just do what we'll we're doing figure it out. and we're yeah, really yeah. good at it. So it's just going to keep going like that. That episode where you went to the future and you found out that Ava was like a clone. I'm like, this is yeah. great. This shit yeah. rocks. Um, yeah, I mean the whole season was awesome, but for me, Black Lightning edges it out because the for me, I love the characters. Like uh, this fan, yeah. I love the family. Everyone in that family, Anissa, Jennifer. Um, yep. What's the mom's name? Uh, Lynn. Uh, Lynn. Yeah. Uh, the whole family, like the core family of the show, is just all the characters are so interesting and so different. They're all fantastic actors too. Oh, they, so they all good. Do yeah. Really good job. Yeah, like Anissa coming into her powers early on in the season and becoming this like badass black female superhero, unlike anyone mm-hmm. I've seen on TV, who's also who happens to be gay and the show like acknowledges that but doesn't like treat it like it's weird. It's just who she is. It's exactly what I right. want to see as far as representation goes of, mm-hmm. of you know, like we've talked a lot about um LGBTQ representation. I just thought this was an excellent example of it. And I, she was my favorite character. I love Anissa. I'm so stoked to see more of her. Jennifer being this like sort of, she has this like petulant whininess to her, this like youth to her, but then also rebellious teen. Yeah. Rebellious teen. But then like her coming into her powers later in the season, realizing Mm -hmm. that she's special fighting against wanting to be a superhero, but realizing that it's necessary because her family and her community are at, at risk. Um, I, I, Lynn is a fascinating character who is like fighting against her husband being Black Lightning and like right. the reason why he stopped being Black Lightning in the first place. And she's like kind of on the wrong, well, in, you know, if you look at the broader picture, she's often on the quote unquote wrong side of a lot of these arguments where she's fighting against like standing up to be a hero. But at the same time, she's right. on the right side of the argument of like, you are my husband. These are my daughters and I don't right. want them to die. I don't want you to die. I've almost lost you so many times and I can't bear to do it again. And like, that is so real and so true. And it's just really good drama. And like, such good like opposing viewpoints within one family that just really made the whole season resonate to me and like i i just really felt like attached to the story like that i felt more interested in every every scene of this show than any of the other shows even though i love Mm. legends of tomorrow like yeah I, i had more fun in legends of tomorrow but i felt like black lightning was a more powerful story i 
fucking love Gamby. Gamby is like, it, let's take the the potential of Alfred and Batman and like take right. it to its extreme. Like this is the <laughs> best version of Alfred I've ever seen. What if Alfred was a badass secret agent? Well, he is in the comics. Like they've kind of written Alfred in the more modern comics that he was like a British secret uh, agent who, okay. who basically uh trains bruce wayne to become batman like that's kind of the newer interpretation of alfred uh, okay. and i felt okay. like gamby kind of took that and ran with it and i love that he's a yeah, tailor yeah, yeah. he's building everyone their superhero suits gets the um, suits yeah yeah and i will say that i have seen some criticism against tobias whale who is the character who is a um albino black man and right. he seems to hate other black people um he definitely does it's explicit in the yeah. character yeah, I mean, and, he 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 says if there's a racial, there's a couple of racial slurs kind of thrown around, or I'd say disparaging remarks about black people as a whole, and one of them is the white guy ASA agent who is like like low rent James Con kind yeah, of yeah, guy. Yeah, um, and so he's just like explicitly racist, and then Tobias Whale is the other character that is explicitly racist. Yeah, and I have seen some criticism around you know the representation of colorism in the black community as as portrayed through that character and yeah i mean i am not a member of the black community and i can't speak to that but i can speak to watching this show and the fact that that felt like a very intentional and intense choice and i don't know if it was yeah. a good or a bad choice but i appreciated that the creators were like really taking a risk with that character and like yeah, I also think that 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 dude is a really good actor. Oh, he is fucking awesome! Like yeah. he's a he's a, think he's a rapper. Um, Crondon, I looked him up. Marvin yeah. Crondon Jones, uh, and he's like a like a really lovely guy in real life. Um, lovable, like uh, someone who like I've read some interviews with him, and he's like very kind. It seems, but there's yeah. no kindness in Tobias Whale. But at the no. same time, there is some empathy with that character when you learn about his childhood. Um, of course, he then kind of ruins it by going back and murdering his own father. But when you learn about how his father <laughs> treated him as a child, you feel for him. Um, yeah. And I just thought the complexity of that character was really impressive. And as someone who can't speak to the the colorism presented in the show, because like I just don't understand the complexities of that in the black community, I can only say from like a white guy's point of view that I found that character that character to be extremely compelling and such an incredible villain and i'm so excited that he did not die that he kind of came into power by the end of the season and will obviously be a part of the show moving forward i'm like wow like that's i mean this is some bold stuff i don't know if this is yeah. right or wrong but i am entertained <laughs> and i am thinking about these issues and and yeah i mean not not to even like we haven't even scratched the surface on this yet but the whole idea that the asa like the backstory of the season is that the asa was experimenting on on the black population of Freeland trying to give them a drug to make them docile so they could be controlled right. and accidentally creating metahumans. Um, right. And then trying to figure out how by doing more experiments on, on the black community and how like disgusting that, that is like you, it's so awful. Like oftentimes these, these villains in these CW shows are doing things that are truly terrible, but kind of like fantastical in a way that, that doesn't really ring like, as frightening as something that's a little more realistic. And yeah, like I'm going to launch some satellites and then it's going to yeah. reboot everyone's brain and then I'm going to become the planet. Like, yeah, yeah, that's bad. Yeah, but there's no historical context. You're like, <laughs> yes, this reminds me of what happened in the 60s. 
Yeah, totally. So, and yeah, the show's willingness to take on those issues, I appreciated so much. And it talked about police brutality. It talked about Black Lives Matter. And this came out a couple years ago. Like, this is, you know, 2018. So... Yeah, of know. course, because it's 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 a black centered show, so it's going to be talking about things that are relevant yeah. to that community. You know, that's and that's this it's a, it's a it's a if anyone needed an example of why having the show runners, the show creators, the show writers not just be from a handful of white people, this is this is what diversity of voice brings you because it's a different point of view where it's not like, oh shit, the CW had better do like some sort of special Black Lives Matter show now that that's heating up. You yeah, know? Yeah. It's like this, and that's the thing is that for uh, the the vast swath of of uh, I would say white America, particular, you know, th- these are issues that they're like being blindsided by each time it happens, and yeah. then they go back into a complacency of forgetting about it. Yeah. And then it's a like, Oh, okay. This time is for real. So now like, you know, like I think Netflix and Hulu, like they added the, the, the black lives matter sections to their streaming content. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, which is, Hey, that's, it's great. They're doing something, but it's also like, why all of the other times that this happened, did you not care or notice, you know? Um, yeah. And that's the difference of having, a voice of people from a different community where they can tell you like, this is always going on. This is happening now. It's not just like wait for a big thing to blow up where or white people are paying attention to it and then basically react to the white people who are now paying attention to it. Like you can pay, you can give this attention all the time. If you have creators who are, you know, a part of that world creating for, but, yeah, like how many black people have to be murdered before the rest of the country is going to take it seriously? And it seems like George Floyd was that tipping point, but it's so... Yeah, but it's even so, still not for enough. Yeah, it's so frustrating that it took this long and this many deaths to get to that tipping point. But but yeah. on the same time, like, thank God that we are there. Like, thank God that these conversations are being had because yeah. they need to be had. I mean, yeah. this week... I've read articles about three different black people who were found hanging in a tree who were dead and all three of them were reported as suicides by the police and all three of them, there is reason to believe that they were lynchings, all three of them. So like how many times have the police either been negligent on the reports or flat out lied on the reports because they didn't care that the person who was killed was black and the right. answer is a lot. Like we're seeing that now that that answer is a lot. That is happening a lot. And we need to hold law enforcement accountable. Like we need to like sign these petitions to open these cases. Cause these cases were shut before they were even opened. Like when these things mm-hmm. are committed or are, are deemed to be suicides. When in fact, um, like one of them took place outside of a, uh, city council's office or like something like that. Um, in a town where there is known white supremacist activity and like a known neo-Nazi movement happening. If you find a a black person hanging dead in a tree, don't assume it was suicide. Assume it was a fucking like hate crime. 
Um, and right. the fact that that's not even being done by our own law enforcement is terrifying. And we all have to stand up and say, hey, that's not what we want. We can all sign a petition. You know, we can have all of us can have our voices raised and we have to do that. Like, you cannot be complacent right now. People are living in fear of the coronavirus. People are living in fear of what's happening on the streets. And I, I am too. Like, I, I'm feeling this this terror every time I wake up and look through the news every day. But I'm also trying to push myself every day to do something that is productive, either to have a conversation publicly like this, or I'm, I'm working on other content, like my next episode of Mercury Rising. I'm trying to address this in a way that fits within that show. And um, I did a, you know, anyway, like, the, I, but I, I want to just tell people, like, continue to be involved because it's just, it's so important right now. Yeah, and, and my point is that within the framework of what we're discussing here in terms of CW superhero shows, that it's a long time coming for them to get to this yeah. point of having black voices centered in a show, having black voices be the creators of the show, um, the runners of the show, and that when that happens, this is what you get, is you get these perspectives that had not been represented prior in the history of 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 Arrowverse, like I think it's very telling that Black Lightning, as far as I can think of, is the first show that features a storyline that that is like, oh, here's a cop who's a corrupt cop. Yeah, and it's not just like a one-off. Here's the cop in the background. Like here's a cop who was featured in the show, you know, in a couple different episodes. As far as like he's one of the police in Freeland, and then you're like, yeah. oh right, and that guy's like a dirty. You know, yeah. I think that that's that's something that you wouldn't have seen in the other shows. It's not until well, now that does bring us into Arrow in a way where they kind of take that to a cartoonish level. <laughs> yeah. Where, as I was saying about corrupt cops, I realized like, well, hang on a second, because yeah, a huge plot There's line a few. in, in Arrow a few. this season was literally every single police officer. Yeah. It's corrupt and evil. But that's cartoony, you know? Yeah. It's I mean, it's I loved it, by the way. Did, I really love that whole story that the 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 dragon storyline yeah. and uh and how basically everyone is 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 paid for. I love it because it's it's insanely over the top. It's Indiana Jones <laughs> surviving a, a nuclear weapon. Yeah. It's Arrowverse, Arrow, whatever season two or three, dropping a nuclear bomb on the city. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. I, I was iffy on this season of Arrow, but I think that that had a lot to do with the current climate because it was just too violent for me. And I actually ended up fast forwarding a couple of things where I'm like, I don't want to watch any more fighting. Like I, yeah, I've but seen, he's beating the shit out of cops. So that's kind of fun. Like the one scene I fast forwarded was when, um, Diaz, Ricardo Diaz, the dragon and, and Oliver Queen like had a fist fight and I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah. well, I know that they're just going to beat the shit out of each other. So let me just get to the end of this fight. Cause I'm just sick of seeing violence because there's so much in the media right now. And like, yes. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm oversaturated with how much violence I can handle. And arrow was just like unrelentlessly grim and violent all season long. And it was just too, yes. too much for me to the point where I didn't really and enjoy it as much. Yeah, and that, and I'd say that's that's sort of endemic of Arrow in general. Yeah, like as a show, its roots are in grimness. And this season, one of the, one of the ongoing themes of the season was returning to your roots, yeah. which involved basically disbanding the 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 Team Arrow stuff, and then Oliver, you know, going all the way back to going solo. And then I think this season also 
was a return to the more grim and more violent origins mm-hmm. of of Arrow as a show. Yeah, I agree. So I think that I I think that was intentional in a way. Oh, for sure. But it doesn't yeah. mean that that I like it. You know. Yeah. I kind of obviously with my favorite being Legends of Tomorrow. It's pretty clear that what I like is light, silly shows. You know. Yeah, and Arrow had a silliness to it that's been lost along the way. Like, I remember back in season three or four where there was that episode where they were fighting the girl who controlled the bees, and they yes. were just making bee puns the whole time. I'm like, I, yes. I'm like, this show has gone has gone so silly, and I love it so much. Like, yeah, I, I, and even in season one, there was like a lot of good humor, and you had like, uh, uh, what was that girl that Oliver slept with? I know that's really not specific. Huntress. Huntress, thank you. Yeah. The Huntress, like those episodes like were violent and were intense, but they had this element of sort of like fun to them that I really yeah. miss in that show. I just wish yeah, that, fun that would come back. Yeah, fun is pretty much gone from Arrow at this point in yeah. time, and it really does not return, spoiler alert, in season seven. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> but but wow. I, really, I, I really enjoy season seven, I got to say. Yeah, I mean, I I'm still in. Se- like I'm still in on the show. I'm still excited. I I will say. Oh yeah, that, you've committed yourself to a huge mistake. I know for sure. Um, <laughs> in so many ways in my life. Anyway, so yeah. So for me, Black Lightning was one. Legends was two. Flash was definitely three. And for my, many of the same reasons that you said, because um, Devoe is just an insane villain. Such a good villain. And the the whole oh, yeah. arc of the season being this like super intelligent, really brilliant. I mean, uh, teacher who yes. starts to absorb other people's superpowers and go insane in the process and, like, lose touch with his humanity. So by the time he yeah. becomes, like, the most powerful supervillain we've ever seen, he's, like, not yeah. even human anymore. And right. um, he's completely lost touch with, like, any sense of compassion. Um, and, like, his relationship with his wife, Marlise, was fantastic. That actress was so, incredible. Yeah, she was really good. But the two of them were great. Oh, the yeah. two of them, incredible. they had... They had great chemistry in the flashbacks when they were in love and then great chemistry when it was like their fucked up weird dynamic. And also this was interesting to me this season and, uh, arrow both betrayed villains that were like, Oh, this is like menacing at a level globally or whatever, you know, the thinker and, and at least, you know, for the city with, with, um, I keep wanting to say the dragon. What was his name? Diaz. Diaz with yeah. Ricardo Diaz. But also menacing on like, I will hurt you, this person in front of me right now, you know? Yeah. And I thought that was really like with DeVoe, you know, mind controlling his wife. It was really like, it was gross. I mean, it's gross and it's yeah. offensive, but it's like, it's another shade of villainy that I thought was, was handled really well. And like yeah. in Arrow, it's it's Diaz like physically threatening uh, the uh, Black Canary. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, and yeah, I mean the the course of the season of Flash, all of these bus metas that are created in the first episode when Barry comes out of the Speed Force are like we find out they're all created kind of by design by Devoe so he could suck up all their powers, and as he does right. so, he kills all of them along the way, and it's just like gut punch after gut punch as right because they keep losing. loses yeah they keep losing and it was I liked that a lot I thought that was really well done I mean yeah um yeah there it helps sells it that like they can't get ahead of Devoe like yeah he has planned all of this 
and you're just gonna lose each time yeah yeah and the main reason that it ends up third on my on my list is because the way that it all came to a head for me was like really disappointing where it just kind of ended like like devoe is kind of unstoppable and then we stop him because we find out that one of the people that he absorbed is still alive in his mind in you know ralph dibney and then once ralph dibney comes back out takes control of his stretchy body back and devoe is is banished like his mind goes into the chair i guess and then that's kind of like well then marlise kills his mind i don't know it was just too 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 much like oh well we're like there's no way to kill this guy so we're gonna kill him like this you know and then they don't they really don't stick the landing yeah and uh and i'm not complaining too much because like it was a overall like a really good season um with a lot of really interesting ideas and i you know there was some things i took issue with along the way but like not things that are necessarily important enough to talk about in this discussion but i will say that the, the flash is veering into this style of storytelling that it has always been there but they were like kind of pulling back from it in season three, like this idea that Barry Allen is always grumpy and always sullen and always feeling the weight of being a hero and not really having fun yes. being the flash anymore. Um, right. And what I loved about that character when he first made his appearance on arrow was like, he loves being the flash and yeah. like, well, I mean, that's like when he kind of turned into the flash. So I guess it's before he was the flash. He just like loves his work. He loves being a, um, like a criminal investigator and a CSI and he's got this like bumblingness to him, but this lovableness to him. And then when he becomes hey, a flash, listen. he just loves, loves it so much. And all of that is gone. At and first, he's just grumpy yeah. all the time. And I'm like, he- why can't he Barry- that wears the, sure. the dark matter crap? Yeah. But do we have to do that? Like, do all of these shows have to be centered around people who are depressed? Like, can't any no, of these people be happy? Yeah, that's what Legends Tomorrow. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, totally. That's why I love Legends. Legends Tomorrow is still like snappy and poppy and fun, and they're not the best at doing uh, um, addressing like legitimate societal issues, but they do occasionally. And I'm not in any way saying like that's enough, but I'm saying for a show that is trying to be the light, fun one, they still will do things that talks about like you know um uh, racism and slavery and things yeah. like that so powerfully too yeah they did a, they did a couple of really powerful episodes about that and it's interesting because like I, i've been thinking about this a little bit recently because i've been very public with my support of the black lives matter movement and like i did a a fundraiser on youtube where i did a live game stream and we got into like i mean i'm sitting there playing mario by myself in a room and talking to a bunch of people on the internet at live about this movement and like of course there's people that come in there and say all lives matter and then we kind of talk about that and why that is harmful and um and and i lost like 20 subscribers in one day on on youtube and i uh, you know those people are can leave and i'm not i i'm not upset that i lost subscribers i'm upset that by addressing this directly i feel like i wasn't able to reach those people in a way that was helpful it's like um like there's something to be said for like how do you talk to racists to try to unwind a little bit of their racism or get them to see the point of view of the other side and sometimes like and racists are not going to watch black lightning because they're racist and they're not going to watch a show about black people because they're racist um but they might watch legends of tomorrow and see these you know these couple of episodes that where they address slavery and and things like that when they go into the past and how like maybe maybe they could be 
maybe they could be touched by that or swayed by that, or maybe they're just unreachable. And I've been thinking about this a lot. Like, how do you reach people? Um, because I want to try, you know, like, I feel like I've built these multiple platforms of content creation and I want to try to reach people. And I feel like the people who are here are the people who are not, who, who agree with me because the ones who don't probably bailed out a long time ago. Um, right. So, yeah. So I feel like Legends of Tomorrow kind of like is doing things that I, I think could be effective inside of all of this, like fun romp through space and time. Um, to have some of those more, you know, socially charged episodes. I think they do it. I think they do the perfect balance of that for their show. I don't think they should do more because I think that then they're going to alienate people that they might be able to sway. And I think that that's so important right now. And yes, like, well, and not even to me, it's not even alienating it, but if the tone feels off, if it feels, or it feels heavy handed, then I think that can wind up undermining the message or just feel hollow where it's, it's like an, empty gesture for the sake of making a gesture yeah and yeah i and i i also am thinking about a lot about like how can people you know like one of the things that i've been finding a lot in my research about how can people help is familiarizing yourself with black made content because it does help i mean you get to see the world from a black perspective you get a better point of view of how they're treated by police and like black lightning is great for that. In my opinion, I felt like it was a really good show for white people to watch. And I, I hope, you know, I hope it's a great show for black people to watch too. I can't speak to that because I'm not black, but, um, yeah. Black lightning is also very good. I think I, it feels like it's aware of what it sort of the mantle that it'll wind up wearing as a piece of black created culture in in a, a white dominated universe literally and figuratively yeah the white dominated aeroverse and then the white dominated cw network in america in which it exists so what i think black lightning does it's, it's it feels that it's aware of it's the mantle that it's going to wind up having to wear as a piece of of black content black created content a black universe within a broader white universe of the aeroverse and of the cw network and in america and it serves as a a um, what's the right word for it? A vehicle for delivering a point of view of of this culture, like you're saying, and of, of this experience to white America that does anyone that does choose to to watch the show. So you see this other point of view, and then there's also frequent references to writings of of black thinkers and references to creators of other content in like music and whatnot black creators peppered throughout the show which i think is really fascinating and very Mm. smart i think of a good way to go about that like if you and i think you'll see it i think they do it again in season two but they're frequently mentioning names of people who are uh creators and writers and and whatnot of of uh in the black community that's awesome yeah yeah i mean i i yeah, and the one of the things we haven't talked about yet that I love so much about Black Lightning was that it was the realization of the uh, retired superhero returning to the mantle, which is a trope that mm-hmm. I love. You know, like yeah. <laughs> um, like the Dark Knight being the prime example of that, where like a re- you know an old man Batman like trying to get right. up and do shit. It's great. It's like the best comic book ever written, and <laughs> I loved that about this. Like I I get a little like the rest of the shows are all like people of the same general age range being heroes and it gets a little like samey samey sometimes in tone Mm -hmm. and this was just like completely different it's like this is a middle-aged man he's 
like a school yeah. principal. He's not even a superhero anymore, but he's coming back to it. And not just that, but his daughters are developing their powers. Like that's a story that we haven't told yet on any of these shows from a perspective yeah. we haven't seen yet. And it was so refreshing. And just like like all these social issues aside was just a, like a really enjoyable watch beginning to end. And there's some yeah. intense violence that was really disturbing. Um, and the, you know, there's moments in it that I was like, Ooh, that was hard to watch. But like, overall, I just yeah. so glad that I watched it. And like Jill, yeah. Jill Scott was in it and she was awesome. Like she was so good as the lady Eve. Oh yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah she's yeah. like a great, great singer. Um, yeah. one of Andy's favorite singers actually. And she was like, she wasn't watching with me, but whenever Jill Scott came on screen, she's like, Oh my God, is that Jill Scott? Um, <laughs> so that was fun too. But yeah, and yeah. so Arrow was my second to least favorite. I didn't dislike it, um, but right. I, I didn't love it for the reasons we talked about. Like just a little yeah. too. Grim. I re- I, I really liked Arrow despite hmm. its grimness. And if it, if it wasn't, I mean, I'm putting Arrow down to the bottom of the list. But there's so many of these. I have a hard time picking a favorite because I liked so much of what yeah. Arrow did. It's almost a disservice for me to say that it's fourth because. Not really. It's yeah. still really good, you know. Yeah. Well, fourth out of four good things is not necessarily bad. Yeah. It's just well, yeah. it's just what it is. Yeah. I, mean, I would have I, a hard time saying it was better or worse than yeah. Even Black Lightning or Flash. Wow. Know? Yeah. Yeah. So they're all really close for you. That's not as close, for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as close. For I, me. I mean, I, you know me. I'm very indiscriminate with a lot of. The- <laughs> yeah. You just like to be entertained. Re- yeah, and I really, I mean, I love the over the top diaz villain and i really like the split villain kind of mm-hmm. where Caden james coming back from season five and yeah. being the 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 supposed featured villain of season six with Caden james with diaz and with anatoly and uh black canary like they're the super villain team but then really not really it was yeah. diaz who is the ultimate threat and just yeah. <laughs> again it's no exaggeration to say, like, literally everyone in city government wound up on the payroll of Diaz. And so there were, there was, like, nothing that could be done. Yeah. And I just, I just, I just, we've talked about this before about Arrow, where I say that Arrow just constantly escalates and escalates. And it's like, yeah, this is the next level of escalation. Yeah. For me, it was too much. Like, I like, sure, I, I like it. when yeah. shows know when to de-escalate so that you can re-escalate and i think that if you don't do that it just everything starts to feel cartoonish like you're saying like the idea that he'd bought off every single city official or had like uh like leverage over every single one um i'm like okay i guess that's fine but like i don't know it just something about it just kind of i didn't care as much i guess right because it was so it was like a little too much um, it's too much, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like even Caden James, I love Michael Emerson who played yeah. Ben Linus on Lost, and I was like, oh shit, it's Ben Linus. But he, oh, and at one point he his pseudonym was uh, um, like Ben Gale or something, which was yeah, yeah, <laughs> some, something that was like a reference to his one of his to pseudonyms Lost. from Lost, which I loved. Yeah, but his performance was very sleepy. And it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't until like his last episode where you get some of his backstory and you get some of his longing to be a good father that I felt like yeah. his character really came to life right before he was killed by Diaz. Um, yes. So I wasn't super invested in that villain story because there was something... He was underutilized as yeah, an actor this yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And he's such a good actor. And that just like yeah. 
felt like a missed opportunity. And I'm actually a huge fan of Kirk Acevedo, who played Diaz. He was on Fringe. Oh, yeah. He's been in a lot yeah. of shit for years. Like 12 all- Monkeys. He was, he was oh. one of the dudes in 12 Monkeys. The TV show. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that. Yeah. He's great. Yeah, it's pretty I, good. I loved him on Fringe so much because he's just got this like... He's just cool, you know? Like, you just want yeah. to be his friend. And, there was something- and he does a thing as a villain where he does a low whisper. Yeah. And and I don't know if it's like a choice he's making or if it's direction from the show, yeah. but it works so well <laughs> because he does have occasional explosions of loud vocal anger, and they're so much more effective than if he was just like ranting all the time. I, I'm pretty sure it's direction because everyone on that show is doing that low whisper. Like every time, <laughs> every time Oliver and, and John take, every time Oliver and Diggle have a conversation, it's always down here. Every time, like even Felicity is like talking, they're whispering and the mics can barely pick up what they're saying sometimes. And like sometimes I straight up can't understand what they're saying because they're whispering. I'm like, nobody speaks in whispers. You're just trying to sound hardcore and it's a little annoying, but I kind of like it. I won't lie. I kind of like it. But yeah, I mean, Kirk Acevedo is, and I don't even know if I'm saying his last name right, but he was, sure. he was in- sensational as Ricardo Diaz. Like his acting was incredible. And yeah, he just like fully committed to that part, and I loved it. But I don't like I didn't like the arc that much. Like I didn't like the character arc, mm-hmm. and I I like to feel some sort of empathy for the villains or some sort of deeper connection to why they're doing what they're doing. And I right. feel like they tried to build that for for Diaz, um, like that episode where like you see like him as a child hating this guy at named, the orphanage named yeah. Jesse. Well, I, I definitely remember his name. <laughs> Um, and then he like ki- I, didn't even, I didn't even pick up on that yeah and then he like kills the grown up version of Jesse later in the episode right um, and I'm like okay well I, this is your backstory and I still don't necessarily understand your motivations besides just being an evil guy who wants power um, like I w- there's points in the story where it's like oh this is really interesting like when he brings in the quadrant and he like kills that guy in the quadrant to take his seat at the table um, right. and I was really interested in that uh, woman who was kind of leading the quadrant but then he kills her like an episode later by stabbing her yeah. in the throat and I'm like I did not need to see that that was not pleasant um, like some of the violence was just too far for me and yeah and they, they introduced a lot of characters of color who were either killed immediately or ended up being like in Diaz's pocket. Like, yes. um, and that was really annoying to me because there are huge holes in the representation on this show. Um, yes. As far as like, you know, we talk a lot about, um, uh, we've talked a lot about like black representation, but there's a lot of holes across, across the rest of the world or even just the rest of this country, as far as like other communities that exist in this country that should be represented on this show that aren't like, there are no main char- characters of Asian descent. Right. I can't think of right. any. Um, and then there was that, that woman, the police chief who was of Asian descent. I was so excited she was there, but then she ended up kind of being part of the problem of the, like, she was kind of a bad guy. And I'm like, okay, well, can we have like an Asian hero, please? Like anyone? Like it's. I thought they were going to introduce one in year eight, and they 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 spoiler alert they sort of do. But then I was surprised. I was waiting for a follow up announcement of his show because he's based on a on an Asian character from DC Comics. But yeah. then nothing. So yeah. I, I don't know if this hypothetical show with an asian lead hero from dc is in the works or uh, it was just it could have just been like a nod to the comics which they do from time to time you know yeah i will say i really appreciated zari 
like on Legends of Tomorrow, the fact that there was a Muslim, oh, character. Muslim character. I right. loved that. I loved that. And also, it's 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 mentioned throughout the show on a regular basis that it's not just like oh she's Muslim and that's fine. Like it it comes up and she talks about it and it's and again it's again they handle it in a very light and funny way yeah. like with Rory as yeah. the counterpoint. It's great. Rory is like I don't give a shit. Yeah. But oh, she gets Rory. kind of frustrated with him because she wants him to like at least acknowledge like acknowledge that you're listening to me. She doesn't even want him to like buy in on anything. Yeah. I so can't... yeah, they're training together wonderful. Oh, oh, I loved it. It was so good. I mean, that show was great. Like the Elvis episode and tracking <laughs> tracking down all of the different um like totems. And yeah. I, it was so much fun. And like w- watching the heroes try to use these totems and I mean all that stuff was great. Um, yeah they yeah. create that blob <laughs> yeah if you told me that rory would be one of my favorite characters when he was first introduced, oh, i know i would have i would have slapped you i would have said hell no like well i would have right. slapped it's you because i'm a possible. pacifist but, I, <laughs> but he's so good like the way that they've developed that character is really incredible like in season one when he was that time cop what was his name yeah chronos chronos yeah like that was such a brilliant way to kind of bring that character into a more interesting realm of development. And they've done such yeah. a good job with him since then to yeah. like, to take someone who is a pure villain and kind of give him enough experience to realize that there's another way is that's another great. Oh, it was a great Wally West moment where Wally West is introduced to the show. And then he's taking something from Rory and Rory's mad. Cause it's like, I don't know. He stole like Benjamin Franklin's glasses or whatever. And Wally West is like, you can't steal. And then it's Nathaniel who's like, yeah, we allow, we allow light to moderate stealing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on this team. <laughs> we call it collecting souvenirs or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. But I just love that nod to like, you know, okay, maybe we a little bit differently. Yeah. Yeah. And Sarah Lance has like come into her captaincy so well. And not just that, but like she's become basically the lead on the show. Um, yeah. And I feel like like the show, I don't feel like could, I mean, may, it probably could exist without her because they are really good at switching out characters. Sure. But it's sure. the type of thing where like you really never want to see that happen because she's kind of the the anchor of everything that's going on. And I, I yeah. love that so much. I, I love that she's like what, what, when you go back to Arrow season two, when that character is first introduced <laughs> as the white canary yeah. and you see what she's yeah. grown into. It's awesome. It's really yeah. great. That's and, what was weird for me when we started this project. Yeah. Where I was like, oh, wow, that's crazy. Like, Sarah Lance, you know? Yeah. And even to the point where I said, like, I never would have noticed it, but in season one of Arrow, yeah. they do a flashback on the boat, and you're like, oh, she's a brunette. <laughs> oh, is she? Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's just like some other random yeah. actor playing Sarah Lance right. that just disappears in the water and you never see her again. Right. And then in season two, they introduce Sarah Lance as a regular character right, 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 right. and then they redo that scene they show yeah. it again <laughs> and, and they now it's it with a her. different actor yeah yeah <laughs> yeah back to the future two style <laughs> yes yes <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i i don't think i have any complaints about the season of legends of tomorrow like it was just really great but i have so it's many such a fun show i have so many complaints about the my least Supergirl. favorite show of the year which was supergirl <laughs> like supergirl yeah. was such a slog and I actually really liked the first half of the season, and I yeah. really, really liked the, the um, what are they called? Like the Legion of Superheroes or something? 
Brain- Brainiac Five and um, what's her name? Oh yeah, yeah. The yeah, I think it is the Legion. They keep referring it yeah. to the Legion. Like when Monel comes back from the future with these other super right. friends and his Saturn, wife. S- Saturn girl. Is that who she is? Inra. That's, her, that's who she. Inra. Right. Yeah. But her name in the comic Saturn book girl. is yeah. Saturn. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's I, a very like fifties sort of. People, people in the 31st century who are superheroes. Yeah, I loved it. Saturn Girl, Moon Lad. You know, it's very yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brainy is like uh, my was my new favorite character on that show. He's great. Yes. Like he's so funny. He's got that like dry wit that Data had on Next Generation. Yes, but so lovable and like I'm so glad that he seems to be sticking around. Um, but if you remember from like last time, I was never a Monel fan, and like the love story between Supergirl and Monel, yeah. I was never a fan of, and I was kind of yep. glad that he left at the end of the season, and then they just doubled down on it this year, and I'm like, oh man, yeah. this, it was even worse this time. Um, yeah, and then I I was excited at first because I was like, oh, they're gonna do like, because I think that actor had quit, and so this is gonna be his last season, so it was like, oh well, now they can give him like kind of like a good arc when he shows back up it's like oh look he's a mature version of this character who's now coming to his own married you know he's been doing all this stuff and it's like oh but not really like he yeah. knows some new fighting stuff and he understands that he's supposed to talk about stuff but beyond that it's still like he's pining for Kara you know yeah and he didn't even tell Kara that he was married until it was too late and then like he yeah. told her by kissing his wife in front of her which is like the shittiest way he could have done yeah. that and yeah. it just bothered me from from the jump, and I just wasn't invested and didn't care about that that love story between that love triangle, I guess. Um, yeah. And I loved Sam in the first half of the season as she was like, I actually yes. thought that was this was awesome when you kind of see this woman who's realizing that maybe she has some sort of Kryptonian powers, but mm-hmm. and doesn't know why, and is like going to work and you know taking care of her daughter. I'm like, wow, this is a really cool way to introduce a character into the tapestry of this show. And then halfway through the season, you find out that she is the big bad, and it's actually kind of shocking and like pretty right hardcore. And I kind of liked it a lot. Um, right, but it just like drags on. And it lingers, on and yeah. On. It's like they ran out yeah. of story and just kept telling more and more episodes when they had no story to fill them. And it was just yeah. a lot of like schmaltzy drama between all the characters. And I just did not like it. And I will, I will yeah. tell you that like, if we weren't doing this project and you hadn't told me that season four of Supergirl was one of your favorite arcs, I would quit the show because I disliked it that much <laughs> where it, I didn't feel like it was worth continuing. And it, I like really, really, really struggled to get through the season. Yeah. And to me, this is one of the shames of, a show sort of bearing the burden of representation where like, this is, you know, the, uh, a female character is like the, the prime hero in the show. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of, that was the, that's sort of the way this show was looked upon by other people's like, Oh, that's like, okay. That's like a CW show, but it's, you know, that's, that's for ladies. That's like, that's not like a real superhero show. That's the lady superhero show, hmm. but that it's also the one that, I feel like leans into the idea that a show that features a strong female character also has to feature a lot more storylines that have emotional weight and arc to them, which sure, maybe that'd be fine, but they do so much of it and they don't always do it well. 
Yeah, it's, it's I, like, I think I, I think I hear what you're saying. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Like you, you I, I feel like they could find a better balance with it, but it feels like they're trying. It feels like they're trying too hard to 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 be this like emotional heart, and and I mean that's kind of like the essence of Supergirl, right? She's the character of hope, and she's the one who is always. And I guess Superman is that way to a degree, which is why he's so annoying. <laughs> um, but that's like it in this one here, where it's like, you know, Carr is the one who's constantly saying like, no, 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 she can be redeemed. We we just have to talk to them. Like everybody can be reached. Nobody's irredeemable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess in this case, she's not redeemable. And then we have to have a different character besides Supergirl kill the person who's irredeemable, you know? Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. To me, all of these shows are, are a little bit this way, and I never thought of it in the terms of like it, this being the female-led one that is too much this way, because I feel like The Flash is absolutely too much this way as well, where like they lean really heavy on melodrama. And it's kind of mm. like it's kind of like a soap, like the Arrow too. I mean, Andy wasn't paying attention to these shows as I was watching them, but she'd walk through when when Ricardo Diaz was like making some speech, and she's like, "This is like a soap opera, and it's terrible." And I'm like, "Yes, I, <laughs> I, I know, I know it is." And yeah, and I I think that that is way out of balance in season three of Supergirl, but like season one of Supergirl, what the, in year four, right? was my favorite yeah. of the year and right uh, there's so much potential in this show and like i love the story of an alien trying to assimilate to human culture mm-hmm. and then protect that culture and not just supergirl but john jones also doing that right and I, they I, do I, none of that this season yeah i mean yeah the, I, there was some good stuff with john's dad um and like his oh dad, yeah that was he's a great actor the oh guy yeah he's incredible like that was the yeah. emotional storyline that i resonated with the most i think in this season mm-hmm. um but like everything everything got so emotionally heavy and and like draggy and it was yeah. just a slog you know like i man i oof it it's super rough. cool it could it could have been five episodes less and i think it would have been a lot better of yeah. a season yeah because i Even really liked for- the first half of the season yeah and this is why some of the shows I think have the benefit like of Arrow, even though you weren't a big fan of it this year, but where they split it up basically yeah, yeah, into, effectively yeah. into two halves. You well, know? they did that kind of with Supergirl. Like the first half, Sam is learning who she is. The second half, she's the big bad. But then you also yeah. had like all this stuff with the witch's coven of Kryptonians right. from that weird planet that like, yeah. city or whatever where we find out that Kara's mom is still alive and they recast Argo City Argo City thank you they recast Kara's mom to the woman who played Lois Lane on on Smallville which was shocking to me but I liked that a lot um Erica Durance I think her name is oh I didn't know they recast her yeah yeah remember in um season one when like she was fighting Laura. her mom's sister totally different yeah. actress yeah oh I didn't even pick up on that yeah and they're like twins um right I I would have I would have lost a bet. I oh really? Like yeah, that's that's the same. Yeah, oh, it's that's the funny. white lady with dark hair. Like yeah, you, know? you, you got to watch uh, Smallville or at least like the first seven seasons. It's so yeah. good, and it's really the template for like these shows. Like Green oh, Arrow sure. becomes like a main character later on in the series, and um, played by Justin Hartley, I think his name is. Who's yeah, now on from This, is, this us. is Us. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's so dreamy. I had such a crush on him when I was watching that. Show. <laughs> I mean, everyone on that goddamn show is dreamy. But anyway, yeah. Um, that's a, that's a CW baby. Yeah, but it was cool to, that Erica Durance was brought back for that. But 
I, I hated that Argo City storyline. It was so boring. And uh, yeah, I liked Argo City because I thought it was just kind of, you know, it's neat and it's fun and it's some some light DC canon that I'm vaguely aware of. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, I wasn't but, interested at all. I, and listen, I am normally all about magic stuff getting mixed in with superhero stuff, but I did not like the way they did it here. It was just too like these people could do magic and that's it. Like yeah, like when uh, they're diving okay. diving into that giant pit of flames, I'm like, I do not give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, it felt again like multiple endings were like we win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we don't. We win. Oh uh, no, we don't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oof. Yeah, I really am excited for season four because of what you've said. Um, and I'm relieved to know that it, it will hopefully get better, but damn. I hope that I'm right. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too. Uh, but actually, like as I was watching through the show, the watch order that you and I are both using kind of clumped together the back half of the Supergirl season in the middle of the watch list. So like right. you get through the crisis on Earth X, which we still have to talk about. Um, <gasps> oh, right. Yeah. And then like shortly after that you kind of just watch supergirl until you finish it and that's why it took me so long to watch this show because i right. was just slogging through those and then took a big ass break after it because i was like woof i gotta watch something else because i am i am done with this for a while um yeah and i don't know how much i value those watch orders now i hmm. feel like you you know you watch them all you could watch them all up until the crossover event happens like all of arrow all of a chunk up to the crossover, all the flash up to the crossover, mm. then stagger them as need be to get through the crossover and then finish up with each one straight through, you know? Yeah. Cause there's, there's no more crossovers and there's no, no spoiling between them. Yeah. Or besides, you could just, you, or so you could stagger back and forth one at a time and you'd be fine. Yeah. Like besides John Diggle showing up at the end of the flash and Sarah Lance showing up at the end of arrow when Quentin died, which was awful. Yeah awful yeah but i'm so mad like no why why kill quentin he's amazing like yeah he's (laughs) he's such a quintessential part of that show and he's the only like adult voice on that show yeah it's a big loss yeah but i feel like that's an actor quitting versus them killing off a character maybe i'm yeah maybe I mean, yeah, you can tell that, like, it's exhausting to make these shows, and a lot of people, <laughs> like, I was reading about how um, Thea Queen wanted to leave after season four, and she's still around, and, like, right. I mean, that episode where Roy Harper came back was great. Like, I loved, yeah. loved seeing him again, and then having yeah. having Thea step back into the speedy role, and yeah. kind of putting T- the original Team Arrow back together, I was like, oh, yeah, this is a show that I liked more than what I'm watching now. Right. Thanks right, for right, this right, extra right. episode of this. Like, I love <laughs> I love all the characters in the new team, but I don't like I, something about the way the mel- the melodrama and the melancholy that is portrayed yeah. with the new team. Um, and I have... Uh, uh, Dinah Drake is like... I really liked her when she was first introduced, but she's always mad and always sad. Um, yes. <laughs> and I'm just like, where is her sense of joy? And like, I, like what? I don't know. It's something of, like her and Vigilante's arc. I didn't really care for. Yeah. Um, but I, but I love Renee and I love Curtis and I do love Dinah also. And I actually really liked that civil war between team arrow and the new team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There were, there were high, but it was, I get it. It was a mix, real mixed bag. Yeah. But still, I mean, still quality. Like 
I mean, quality for Arrowverse, which is, you know, it's, it, <laughs> it's it is bar. like a superhero soap opera. And I know that. And yeah. I like I like that. Like, I like weird drama shit. You know, I've always kind of had a soft spot for um, heightened drama if it's done with a sort of wink and a nod. I think it can be really fun. Right. Um, but, yeah, I feel like they've forgotten how to wink and nod. And That's uh, why, and yeah. again, I keep going back to it, but that's why I love Le- because Legends knows how to do the wink and the nod. Yeah, Le- Legends they, is all wink and nod. <laughs> it's it's all wink and nod, yeah. And they, I love it. Oh, I love it. The wink it. and nod, I'm so excited for the wink and nods next season that are so explicit in yeah. Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, you know, Legends of Tomorrow I liked enough where I was like, man, I would podcast about every episode of this show. Like, yeah, I, I, I think about that sometimes when I watch it, I'm like, these are so dense and meaty. Yeah. Like, there's so much going on. Yeah, I mean, we have so much on our plate right now. Like, maybe. Oh yeah, we don't. <laughs> yeah, you, if, we don't need new. Yeah, we avenues don't. of content. <laughs> but I, but that's just to express how how much I liked it because like yes, every episode had great sci-fi concepts in it and great character yeah. moments and was so much fun. And you know, I did not like season one of that show, but right. I, I would More, not. I would yeah. not want to do a an episode by episode no. recap of that season. But season no, two and, and season three, one is like it's fine. You you watch season one to get some of the setup and get the gist of it, but it's not, there's highlights, but it's not yeah. what it becomes. And it, yeah. what it becomes is season two. And th- yeah. I mean, season two having like that, that trifecta of incredible villains was awesome. But then in yeah. season three to bring back Damien dark and have him be the villain again. I'm like, <laughs> yes. that's great. And I, uh, normally I'd be like, no, you can't do that. You killed him twice already. Like, why are we doing this? Right. But like, no, I'm like, <laughs> that episode return of the mac where he comes back and and like that song return of the mac is playing as he's like comes back to life and starts killing people i was like screaming you know i was like yes i love it they really know how to do good (laughs) set pieces like that that's it's fantastic yeah there was um there was a the last episode of flash when devoe was like walking down the hallway going toward like to kidnap the nuclear man at that Argus mm. site. Oh, playing and, the classical music. Yes, yeah. and he was using all of his powers, and he's just yeah. unstoppable. I'm like, damn, yeah. that was great. I mean, that was shit really like good. that is so cool. And they really, they're really good at producing TV over there. Like, they're really good yeah. at making action sequences. But it was so funny to watch Black Lightning, where you can tell it's a completely different team working on the action sequences, because that was, like, yep. one element of the show that I felt like was... Um, you could really see them trying to figure out how to do it throughout the season. Yeah. Uh, yep. A little bit too much slow-mo, a little not, like, not quite enough action. Like, yep. uh, just kind it's, of it's, watching watching people walk to a spot, stand there, and then slow-mo shoot people with lightning bolts wasn't yep. quite quite up to the par of the of the action sequences in the rest of the show but that's like not what i'm here for i kind of glaze over sometimes during the action especially on arrow i recognize that it's incredibly well choreographed and well produced but like i want the character stuff the the drama the the crazy sci-fi stuff the spacey stuff like that's what i'm all about yeah it's got to be worth it for the rest of the show it's not just you know it's not just about the special effects or the the choreograph fight it's got to be there's got to be more and if the other stuff is more like oh you've got interesting stories told well you know really good actors giving interesting performances then if the choreography fights or the special effects are a little you know like summer blockbusters they have these like amazing set pieces of fantastic cgi and you know it's just eye candy and that's great 
and the story may be hokey. Who cares? I'm there for like this amazing set piece. Yeah. And if it's a TV show that has great characters, great actors telling vital, important stories, and then they have kind of hokey CGI and, you know, lackluster uh, choreography, I'm fine with that because yeah. Yeah. I'm getting this other thing. So Yeah, you just described Star Trek, the original series, and it's, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the action sequences are hilarious when you watch them now. But um, Right, but everything else makes it so good. Yeah, and so many, I mean, even like Babylon 5, you know, like, was yeah. never about action. It's about talking. Like, all Star Trek is about right. talking and not action. And they always talk the way out of fights, and I like that more than watching the fights, generally. But I yeah. will say, like, as much as I'm not someone who gets all hot and bothered about crazy action set pieces, that fight between um, Bebo and Malice, <laughs> like, that, like, that affected me. You know, I, yeah. <laughs> I normally, I'm normally, so like, I'm normally not all about, like, CGI fights. Like, watching CGI monsters, I'm like, I don't give a shit. And they've done right. stuff with CGI monsters on Legends where I didn't give a shit. But this time, I was right. like, edge of my seat. What's going to yeah. happen next? This is the best fight I've ever seen. It was it's so good. So it's just bananas. And they, they're Bebo. like, Bebo. <laughs> Bebo hungry. <laughs> yeah. Bebo love you. Oh my God. It's perfect. It's so great. It's just, it's, it's, it's silly. It's so, but it's like over the top. They just go all in. And that's the thing is like legends will take, big swings and they'll have some big misses but yeah. they always go back for another big swing and i really love it. yeah i am stoked about legends because like i mean i know that constantine eventually joins the cast full time and I, I that actor is amazing as constantine like he he captures that character like yeah, i love other. that they've re- redeemed basically the failed nbc constantine show yeah. by bringing him in that's so bizarre too like i only watched one episode of that and realized it wasn't for me but but right. I love the actor, and I'm like, wow, getting more of him is great. And yeah. like the fact that he slept with Sarah Lance was so funny because like she gets in this relationship yeah. with Ava after, and right, um, and it comes up from time to time. Yeah, yeah, and I'm a huge fan of seeing that sort of uh, representation of like sexual fluidity. I think that's super cool. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, and l- let's talk about Crisis on Earth X because that was great. I mean, that was yes, so crossover. epic, amazing crossover. Yep. Uh, I love, I love uh, good snart from Earth X. Yes, and remember, yeah, he, remember what's when his was, name? It's not Captain Leo. Cold. Leo Cit- snart, citizen, citizen, citizen cold. cold. Yeah. yeah, Leo. Remember when I was saying how like my biggest disappointment with Captain Cold was that he didn't have the glasses from the comics. Yes, they that he had them. Like Citizen Cold yes. has the glasses from the comics, and I loved yes. it. I was so fucking yes. stoked. I was like, yes, finally. Um, and I love how like they brought him back for another episode of Flash later in the season, but yeah, and yeah. he's being like sensitive and caring. Yeah, yeah, and like his relationship with Rory was so funny, and the the, the whole crossover was great. It was just like beat him up Nazi fun time. Let's all get married, you know? <laughs> yes, yes, I like that. And then we also get to see the mysterious Flash character. Oh um, yeah, who shows up at the end of the season? Who's Yep. Barry and Iris's daughter from the future. Oh, right. Do they reveal that? I forgot that that was the Yeah, reveal. yeah, at the very end of the season. But I knew that immediately. I was like, I know that is Barry and Iris's daughter from the future. I, I immediately, uh, when I saw that character, I was like, that has to be Barry and Iris's daughter from the future. I don't know why, but like something about the performance, I just immediately knew it. 
I will. Yeah, t- I, I will admit. Was, that, I thought it was Joe's. Daughter, uh, yes, Joe I, and uh, Joe and, and uh, Cecile. <laughs> D.A. Cecile Horton. D.A. Cecile Horton. Oh, right. We're not not talking about anything but Crisis. But I do want to say that I really like... Oh, it's so um, good. (laughs) The the Harrison Wells repeating D.A. Cecile Horton. I adored that. I loved that. I loved their relationship, them becoming friends. Yeah. Um, Because I have a lot of female friends, and there's like this weird taboo against men being friends with women. And I just loved seeing that. I just thought that was so cool that... Like those actors have chemistry, so why not make those characters friends and have them have scenes right. together? Because those scenes were probably the highlight of the season for me. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, I did. I will admit that I originally I was like, okay, that's got to be Barry and Iris's kid from the future. But then later I was like, well, maybe it's Cecile and Joe's kid, and then right. it ended up being Barry and Iris's kid. Um, yeah. But yeah. So that's the wedding, and then we get to see Nora briefly, and yeah. then the Nazis show up, and then it, then it's just nazi punching for like three episodes yeah and it's really well made it's really intense like the the battle sequences are really intense and like Mm -hmm. i mean martin dying during that battle was man that was rough yeah but this is a crossover that's significance for the storyline they really did justice by the character like i get it you know actors come and go from these shows where they're on for years at a time and like you got to do other shit i get it and yeah um, Victor Garber is a stage actor. I'm sure he wants to like get back on stage and do some shit. And like, this is an all encompassing job. And yeah, like you did great work on, on these shows and it's time for you to go. And I get it, but it's hard to lose that right. character, but they really he's sent pr- him off. Well. He's probably got enough, enough money for grandkids college and yeah. some extra houses and he can call it good. Yeah. I was like, I, I was okay with that death because I got it from like the actor's point of view, but I did not see Jefferson leaving coming. And I'm still like, no, I, I, or yeah. Yeah, that's his name, right? Jefferson Jackson. Jefferson Jacks, yeah. Yeah, Jefferson. So we now have two Noras and two Jeffersons across all these shows. <laughs> well, the second Nora makes sense because it's a reference to Barry's mom, right? So we have three Noras because we have Nora Wait, Dark also. The... Oh, right. Nora Dark. Yeah. Also, Nora Dark is awesome. I love yeah, that she's character. Great. Oh, my God. That actress yep. is amazing. Like... I love when when performers in these shows just go above and beyond above and beyond the call of duty to like make the camp as campy as possible. Like when yeah. she is an evil demon, she just fucking goes for it. Yep. And her because yep. if you do it by half measures, it doesn't feel right. Yeah, like I, that's what I felt about Michael Emerson. Is I didn't feel like he was leaning into the camp of that character the way he could with Caden James. Yeah. Um, right 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 i agree yeah but yeah so on crisis did you watch the uh the ray cartoons i did yeah, yeah me too um and i feel like i didn't watch all of them or i had a hard time finding them i i know that i was trying to find them when they came out and i was like where the fuck are these and <laughs> it's telling me there sh- should be this many of them and i so i don't know i saw something and i watched yeah. some of it and and i wish that we had you know the ray as as a as a show in some yeah um yeah i totally agree i loved having a gay superhero that was super fun although now we have several which is even better um yeah and i love his relationship with leo snart and yeah yeah, i'm okay not having that as a show because i feel like there are other characters i'd rather see spun off into their own show like give me a show about fucking gypsy i love gypsy yeah (laughs) cynthia that episode with um what's that actor's name her dad 
Oh, machete? I don't know what that is. Yeah, oh, shit. That's going to drive me crazy. Oh, because I just watched a video of him touring his Animal Crossing island. Oh. (laughs) Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo, yes. Yeah. Um, As Breacher, uh, he's so fucking good. He's so good. He's great. That Breacher episode was awesome. And then, like, you know, Cynthia Gypsy coming back and, you know, actually breaking up with Cisco. Mm Mm-hmm. I really liked all that stuff a lot. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. I really, I really like Cisco Ramon. Like, what a great character! Uh, yeah, I. Yep. He's totally, you know, so he's so essential on the Flash. Like, he's he's featured so much, and I really appreciate that. And I mean, he was like, I saw an episode of the Flash years ago when my mom was watching it when I was visiting back when they lived in San Diego, and. I, that that was like one person like man I really like this character maybe I should watch this show because I really like Cisco <laughs> so much um, right 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 I feel like they did a good job on the Flash of kind of featuring all of their characters really well this year like the, everyone had a good arc um, like yeah. Kate, Caitlin had a great arc with Killer Frost finding out that yep. Killer Frost has been a part of her her whole life and we just didn't know it was interesting right um, she's different than the than the Dark Matter metas yeah yeah uh, which was cool and. I actually really liked when Katie Sackoff came back. I did too. <laughs> yeah, that was really. I fun. know you're not. You, you had you had said that her wasn't the great. Yeah, and I can I can I I can hear that. But <laughs> I she is leaning into yeah. the ham. Yes, and it's great. And it was she really. I mean, this is a example of of someone leaning into the ham. I think to to good effect. I totally when she agree. returned. I thought that she killed it this year. And yeah, like yeah. Her, her accent's a little hokey, but but the character's incredibly hokey, so I guess that's appropriate. Um, yeah, and I also just love that her henchman is a dude whose only power is a snake eye. I and know. There's not, <laughs> and there's like very little discussion about it. It just, that is the case. Yeah, it's great. And, you know, working with her, even though she's still like totally a villain, was really fun. Like, yeah. needing that needing her power to get something done. I love when they do that on flash where they have to work with the people they previously fought against. I always, I always enjoy that. Um, yeah. So yeah, the crisis, the crisis ended with the dual weddings and Oliver and Felicity like crashed the wedding, uh, of, of, uh, Barry and Iris. And this was super weird because, like, they're married. Both of those couples are now married, but their relationships, like, don't seem to change at all. And I actually don't yeah. really like the way that either of those couples are written. Like, I felt like in both cases, yeah. before those characters got together was more interesting than when they got together. And this is a problem in, like, TV in general that... Yeah, for sure. Like, writers don't know how to write happy couples or productive couples. They only know how to write will they, won't they. Like right because the, like, will the moment, they, they, is, moment the Pam and Jim or uh, get together, it's over. Like nothing interesting happens from that point forward. Well, they did. They were smart there, not to derivate into a show about the office. But then they did some interesting things, or they tried to do some interesting things to create tension. Yeah. Oh, there's now they're having a long distance relationship. Oh, yeah. is Pam like catching the eye of this camera? Yeah, yeah, know, that was interesting on the show. But it had been years. That's also like years of them being married where it wasn't interesting and like they're yeah absolutely the spark of their chemistry will like define the office and then it wasn't used for years i'm like what are you doing that's crazy yeah well that's just it is that will they won't they is tension and you know dating and then maybe like other stuff happening is tension but if it's like happily married then there's no drama or tension so well but iris and barry are best friends and you wouldn't know it by the way they talk to each other anymore because they're 
always just like having these serious dour conversations about the weight of being a hero. There's no, or they're like talking about how much they love each other and how devoted they are to each other. And there's no middle ground and like relationships are filled with the middle ground. And why not put some of that in? Yeah. And this is, this is one of my general complaints about a lot of shows, even shows that I love is like, okay, time to wrap it up. Like, you had better get some other interesting, compelling show if you want it to be a more Arrowverse stuff. Like, start getting your spinoffs ready and going yeah. and get them to run for six years because I don't really need to see season 12 of Flash. As much no. as I love Flash, yeah, I would be... And I, I haven't watched season eight. I only watched the year eight stuff, not season eight, year eight stuff, up until the crisis... Because I didn't want to get spoiled by like yeah. looking things up online, and so I watched that, and then then I then I haven't watched any of the things afterwards. So I have no idea what happens. But I'll say this: I'm fine with there being no more Flash after this, and I'm glad that Arrow is done. You know, yeah. I hope that they can find new shows to replace them because I love superhero stuff and love for them to keep making more of these. But yeah, you don't the way to keep it fresh is to just start a new show. <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't need to keep mixing it up. I agree. I actually am a little bummed that at a certain point in arrow, I didn't remember how many seasons there were. And I thought that I was like almost at the end of the show. I thought there was only like a half season left. Cause I know the last season is a half, but then right? I realized that there's a whole season and a half left. And I'm it's like, not even half season. Oh. Eight, I think season eight is like eight episodes okay. and it's fucking strange as oh really oh, i can't wait oh uh, uh, yeah i i, I don't I even know <laughs> it's yeah. so hard no spoilers but yeah. what the fuck i can't wait i'm like done ish with arrow like i'm i'm i i don't want to stop watching it uh, like i want to see all I'm of it so curious i'm so curious to know what you think of seven because oh, yeah. i feel like season seven is either going to be you're like yeah okay that's fine i'm still done with arrow or it'll be like well at least it was different and i'm still done yeah. Yeah, I mean I kind of wished that I was almost done with Arrow by the end of this year cuz it like Arrow it wasn't a slog the way that Supergirl was, but it was like like I'm I'm just kind of done with that tone of show where it's just unrelentingly grim. Um yeah, I'm just I, yeah. I'm full of that. Like Yeah. It was like it is, fun at first and is no longer fun for me. It is more grim season seven. Oh god but it is but it is differently grim okay so yeah i'm curious if if you have to bail on it bail on it. we can oh we can no just I'm, talk gonna, about I'm gonna watch it i'm a completionist okay. <laughs> like there's no way i'm not gonna watch it i mean right yeah yeah i gotta i gotta get there for sure and, you know, like having a friend to watch it with is like definitely keeps it me helps. going because like we had to work w- through it afterwards. Yeah. Like even if I didn't enjoy Supergirl, I was really excited to tell you how much I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, then, you know, I still re- I still really like uh, what's the sister's name? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Kara's sister, Alex. Alex. Yeah. I love Alex. Yeah, I'm not still not a fan of her and i was i was so bummed to see her still not a fan her relationship end because i really liked that relationship Uh, yeah i did too and it's part of the reason why i don't like her because whatever but but i get it like i've seen relationships of people very close to me that ended because one wanted kids and the other didn't like that's that's like a reason that relationships end and that like made sense yeah I, i appreciated 
She's what, a very real happening? character. Yeah. It's very, it's not, it's not like, oh, we're just making up strange personalities. Like it's a yeah. very real type of personality, but yeah. it was also like, she practically begged this lady to get into a relationship with her. And this lady was like, no, because you're yeah. just some straight girl who's trying to figure shit out. Yeah. And then she's like, no, 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 I promise. And sorry, breaking your heart. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, that's true. That's very frustrating. But, but yeah, I mean, I, they're I not, still, they're not real people. I got to remind I know. There, there's characters in all the shows that I really like. And, and yes. like even Arrow, I still love Oliver Queen and Felicity and Renee yeah. and Curtis and, um, I'm actually kind of like evil Laurel. <laughs> like there's yeah. a lot, of, there's a lot that I'm excited to see where it goes. Yes. But yeah. And like Diaz lives at the end. So it's like, Oh, we're going to get probably get more of the dragon, which, eh, yeah, I could, I could take it or leave it on that. Like, yeah. I, I don't want to tell you what happened. Yeah. For seven, but I'm very interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah. In I'm another actually, two years when we finish all of yeah. year seven. I'm pretty bummed that DeVoe was killed or seemingly killed because I DeVoe I would have gone seasons with with him as like the Moriarty to Barry's yes. Sherlock Holmes like yeah. that actor I've never seen him in anything but he was sensational fantastic I mean, he, he yeah. brought so much to he's that part the, he's someone who you're like oh you must do theater because you're yeah. really good at acting yeah like I want to see him in more shit and I when they invited Marlise to stay I was like please please stay I love you and then yeah. when she decided to leave I was so bummed because I mean, yeah, I mean, Devoe and Marlise, like as a villainous duo, like when you see them in the pocket dimension and they're always wearing the same outfits, mm-hmm. like he's in his chair and she's got the super straight, like mm-hmm. slicked back hair. Like, it's yes. so iconic and so yeah. good. And I love that, like, there was so much good in her, but he was like manipulating her to not act on it. Yep. Um, and it takes a while to kind of realize that. And yeah, there was just so much that I loved about it. But at one point in the season, like Barry Allen was in jail for killing DeVoe. And then later on, right. Oliver Queen gets put in jail for being the Green Arrow. It's like, how many of our superheroes do we have to put in jail? You know? Yeah, well, sometimes they deserve to be in jail. Well, I'll bet in the first episode of, of season seven of Arrow, Lorca is like, well, we're going to get you on a shuttlecraft and get you on the Discovery, <laughs> Oliver Queen, and get you out of jail to work on this special project. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna come work for argus space yeah. so Doug, i don't know what we're gonna do yet about discovery because we're like right in the middle of watching season one and oh I, well before we switch into metamercury let me yeah. say one last thing <laughs> yeah let's do one last thing about sure about arrowverse and then we can wrap it up yeah you can even stop recording and okay. then we can talk about the future of star trek club okay okay so i'm gonna do my final thought on Arrow. yeah hit me the reason perhaps why this season of legends of tomorrow is one of my favorite Arrowverse seasons of all of the season is because of the episode where they meet the voice actor who does the voice of Wallace in the show. John Noble, John Noble, the episode where they meet John Noble on the set of Lord of the Rings. And they meet, they they meet the, they meet the actor John Noble, yeah. who does the voice of a character on the show, to record his voice yes. so they can trick someone into thinking they're hearing yeah. the voice of oh, the I, demon. I, I was I like, adored this that. is amazing. This yeah. is like, this is such, it speaks to me on that like meta level of TV shows and content. I just love that sort of self-referential. Yeah. And it was so well done. And John Noble was such a good sport about the whole thing. I know, <laughs> he was, was incredible. And like, so John Noble played 
Denethor in Lord of the Rings. And right. like that's where I was first introduced to him. But then he was uh, obviously on Fringe after that. And I watched all but the last few episodes of Fringe. And I still need to go finish that. But I <laughs> I haven't done it yet. But I'm, anyway. I I've love only it. seen the pilot. Um, Fringe got really good. And then it got very mediocre. And then got really good again. And then got super weird. And it's a bit of a roller yeah. coaster. But the moments that yeah, are good I'm, are like I'm, really I'm good. I'm braced for it. Yeah. I, I would recommend watching it. It's a good show. Um, but oh. yeah, John Noble is fucking awesome on Fringe. But then to see him dressed as Denethor on Legends of Tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> knowing that he had been playing the voice of Malice, um, yeah, was amazing. Yeah, brilliant. you're so right. I'm so glad you brought that up because like that was yeah. absolutely like that was one of the moments of the season where I was just giddy. And Legends yeah. of Tomorrow makes me giddy as a fan of film and TV and sci-fi and all that stuff. Like there's so many moments in the show that just make right. me giddy with joy because they're referencing my favorite things. You know, yes. like, ugh. like Because like, they'll they're... do an episode referencing Lucas. Like E.T. and then... George Lucas. Yeah. And, yeah, right. And then they'll do whole homages to other movies or shows. And... Well, yeah. Was the E.T. episode in this season or the season before? Uh, I think it was this season because it's think the it Dominator. It's like oh, Ray. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that episode was great. <laughs> Where, like, yeah, the Dominator aliens so... return? Oh, man, it was so fun. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so normally... That's what we're saying about Legends, where there's so many episodes that you could yeah a while on their own. Oh, totally. You could, like, so, yeah. deep dive through each episode of this. But yeah, season. the John Noble episode, to me, is a big swing, where it's like, what if... Okay, hear me out. <laughs> what if we have John Noble play John Noble, and they go back in time, like... Yeah. And the episode, <laughs> I think, was called Guest Starring John Noble. And yeah. I, I had seen that... <laughs> in the watch list and i'd also seen that john noble was the voice of malice or i'd seen like john noble was a guest star in episodes prior so i'm like what is going on like what are they going to do and then that was like amazing and they're like watching lord of the rings and that's where they hear his voice and they're like hey this dude sounds like the demon fighting (laughs) right isn't that how they discover voice or i think so yeah i think so yeah Oh yeah, it was so. So, anyways, great. I just wa- I wanted to bring that up because that I was, appreciate it. That was one of my yeah. favorite things of the whole season for sure. So, how would you rate the season of or this year of Arrowverse as a whole? I don't know. I really liked it. Highly recommended. Don't know if I could give it a number. <laughs> yeah, this is a tough one because, like, I mean, for me, uh, Black Lightning and Legends were like very top of the scale, and yeah, Supergirl was like a four. Yeah, I wouldn't go so low for Supergirl. I'd probably give it like a five or a six. But like, yeah, yeah. But then, like, yeah, Black Lightning and Legends were like like nine or ten. Those like, yeah, absolutely. I'd say eight or nine. I don't know if I'd go. I'd say like a like a nine for each of them. I'd say yeah, because I love Black Lightning, but Black Lightning I think has certain structural problems that it's sort of like all the CW shows. I've been saying this from the beginning: is that all the stuff you like, there's going to be a lot more. All the stuff you don't like, there's going to be a lot more of that too. Yeah, totally. Like they 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 really concentrate the good and the bad. And Black Lightning, as someone who's seen the next two seasons of Black Lightning, it's like, yeah, I can see some of the things they do that I don't like with Black Lightning. Like they keep doing those things going. Yeah. I, what about Flash? I would give Flash like a, a seven. Flash. Yeah, I'd give Flash a seven or an eight. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, I, I I think I'm more than done with mopey emo Barry and uh but devoe and marlise were just so fantastic yeah just like blow me away fantastic and i'll always have a soft spot in my heart for non-toxic mostly non-toxic father joe west i know um 
yeah. as being like a compassionate, like not afraid to to love his son and to cry. You know, like I just think that's a kind of a powerful thing as a character. So. Yeah. Um, and then what about Arrow? I'm at like a six, five and a half, maybe. Yeah, I'd give Arrow a seven. Because I, 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 did, I did like the super corruption. I really, I really yeah. liked everybody being in on it. Because that was just, that's just next level. Yeah, I guess what bothered, bugged me about it is that like, we've been working for six years to save this city. And like, all of a sudden, it's, it's terrible. Lo- it's right? lost. Like the city was just lost and we didn't even know it. Yeah. Yeah, this is. I think I had said this to you about Arrow in the first season. Where like it's really fascinating because at the finale, I was blown away at the finale of season one of Arrow. I was like, oh, they don't win. Like (laughs) they stop one bomb and then another bomb destroys half the town. Right. And what I've noticed going through all of these is like Arrow is just constantly about like not ever really overcoming the tide and not really winning. You're just like making small victories at the margins and maybe stopping something that is far worse, but still ultimately they're just getting crushed underneath the weight of all of that thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm super so, excited for year seven. I mean, yeah, I- I'm going to take a little time off and then get back into it and then it'll take us months to watch it. And then we'll yeah, yeah. be back with this at some point in the future. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I just want to say a couple quick things on the, the meta mercury side, <laughs> yes. which is that, um, Star Trek Club started because we wanted to do reactions to Picard as it was coming out. And Ooh. I love doing that. Like, I love having reactions to new Star Trek as it comes out. And that's the thing that Star Trek Club was created for. And I want to bring Star Trek Club back um, at the latest when the next thing comes out. Um, yeah. Or even like when Picard comes out with the original group, or maybe like if people aren't able to come back when Discovery comes back, because that's going to happen first. Like, maybe we do something different. I don't know yet, but I, yeah, we'll see everyone who's involved is always invited to come back and hopefully they will. Um, I do. I am going to want to finish rewatching discovery before season three airs. So mm-hmm. we can talk about that off air and figure out what we're doing with that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think for, in my mind, like eventually coming back to, I, in my mind, like at, at the least I want to come back to it when new star Trek is coming out to talk about that. And I'm not yeah. sure, what's going to happen with that but that's kind of what's in my mind um yeah, makes sense and then i also i really i really wanted to talk about this uh tuskegee syphilis experiment that oh, was right yeah um and i know that like a lot of people are full right now of outrage uh and are already working on you know supporting the black lives matter movement or or whatever and i but I do want to I do want to bring this up at the end of the show, and I know that we're going to lose some people here, and that's okay. Um, but I would encourage you to listen to this because this is a piece of American history that I did not know anything about. Um, mm-hmm. And like Doug, I know we've been talking for two hours, and if you have to go, <laughs> let me know. Uh, but but this is something that I feel like I do want to include in this episode of the podcast because yeah. this is the inspiration for the story of Black Lightning, where um, the ASA, this you know fictional government organization, was was testing on the black community in Freeland, um, as we talked about earlier in this podcast. So let me give you the background of, of what that was inspired by in the real world. Um, I'm just up on Wikipedia right now. So yeah. uh, the Tuskegee study of untreated syphilis in the African-American male 
was a clinical study conducted between 1932 and 1972 by the United States Public Health Service. The purpose of this study was to observe the natural history of untreated syphilis. The African-American men in the study were only told they were receiving free health care from the federal government of the United States. Um, the Public Health Service started the study in 1932 in collaboration with Tuskegee University, uh, a historically black college in Alabama. Investigators enrolled in the study a total of 600 impoverished African-American sharecroppers from Macon County, Alabama. Of these men, 399 had latent syphilis, with a control group of 201 men who were not infected. As an incentive for, for participation in the study, the men were promised free medical care, but were deceived by the PHS, who disguised placebos, ineffective methods, and diagnostic procedures as treatment. The men who had syphilis were never informed of their diagnosis, despite the risk of infecting others and the fact that the disease could lead to blindness, deafness, mental illness, heart disease, bone deterioration, collapse of the central nervous system, and death. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the men were told that they were being treated for bad blood, a colloquialism that described various conditions such as syphilis, anemia, and fatigue. Bad blood, specifically the collection of illnesses that the, team, the term included, was a leading cause of death within the Southern African-American community. The men were initially told that the study was only go going to last six months, but it extended to 40 years. After funding for treatment was lost, the study continued without informing the men that they would never be treated. None of the infected men were treated with penicillin, despite the fact that by 1947, the antibiotic had become the standard treatment for syphilis. Um, so... Basically, hundreds of African-American men, unbeknownst to themselves, had syphilis that the American government allowed to go untreated to see what would happen. And a lot of these people not only died or, or were sick for their entire lives, but their partners and children also became sick. Um, it says down here, the victims of the study, all African-American, include numerous men who died of syphilis, 40 wives who con contracted the disease, and 19 children born with congenital sy syphilis. Um, and this only came out when a whistleblower uh, saw what was happening and basically leaked this to the press. And this went on for decades that basically incredibly unethical tests were being done against African-American community, the black community. Um, this is an incredibly disgusting and disturbing thing that is a part of our nation's history, something that I never knew anything about. And actually, in 1997, President Bill Clinton formally apologized on behalf of the United States to victims of the study. So... As I was watching Black Lightning, I had a feeling that um, this this study that was being done in in Freeland was based off of something real, and I had no idea it was something this disturbing. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Ugh. I think I had become aware of it at at the very least when the Clinton apology had come out. Yeah. Um, but it might have been something. I used to read like a bunch of. I was really into like government conspiracy stuff, and it's probably good that I didn't go too far down that road as an adult because that's where you get into conspiracy theory stuffs. But, you know, when I was a teenager, like I was reading stuff that at the time was considered like loony, like MK ultra and the government does this. And the Tuskegee experiments were included in that kind of thing of like, Oh, you guys think the government's cool. Yeah. Well, the government does this and they does that, but it had this air from other people of like, that's not true. That's like, nonsense stuff but then later on like yeah a lot of the stuff that people thought was going on was nonsense but then there's some very key 
real things that had happened, you know, that are that are horrific, including including this. So when I was watching Black Lightning, to me, it was like, oh, yeah, this is this is exactly what they're addressing. And this is exactly what they're referencing are yeah. these like federal experiments on black people. Yeah. And like that character who I will always think of as Hollis Mason, I think from Scandal, um, that that Southern guy who's like the ASA agent who um, doesn't. Oh, he's the one that I said low rent. Um, yeah. Like, no, he, no, I can't remember his name. <laughs> uh, he plays the exact same character on Scandal. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, he's just like, I'm the evil racist white guy. Exactly. Yeah. The evil racist white guy government agent person. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. James Kahn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was just so disturbed to find out how close to the truth what was happening in that story is because like that character yeah. is so despicable and then watching Gamby sort of fighting against him uh from the inside after having committed atrocities on his behalf as a younger agent in the ASA was like mm-hmm. a really powerful story and you know this shit is happening right now in our country like lynchings are happening right now and at a much higher degree than we've ever really known because so much of this is being swept under the rug. And like so many of these police reports are, are lying and saying that things are not people's faults, you know, like the police officer's faults. Like there was just another shooting that was an unjustified shooting because um, when, when you watch the body cameras, like the police patted this person down um, and then tased him and the guy ran off with one of their tasers and they shot him right. dead when they knew he did not have a gun because they'd patted him down already. And right. if you just read the police report, it will look like a justified shooting because they're like, yeah, he had a weapon and he was brandishing it and pointing it at us. But it was a taser that he stole from those officers who had already patted him down to confirm that he did not have a deadly weapon on him. So responding with deadly force to people who cannot be using deadly force back is not a justified killing. Um, and like that even it's even happening against you know some of the white protesters like that 75 year old man who was um pushed to the ground by police officers they put in their police report that he tripped and fell and if there hadn't been cell phone footage that captured police forcibly shoving him and then leaving him to bleed out and i'm now here that he has brain damage like that is incredibly disturbing and you know it's like we this is happening right now like we are living through something right now that is terrifying but we can all participate in making positive change and i really believe in like this utopian star trek future and the possibility of it and we are at this inflection point and i feel like we can push things in a positive direction you know research things educate yourself sign petitions donate money um participate in conversations get uncomfortable there's so much that we can all do every day and i encourage all of you to to take part in that yeah demand accountability absolutely defund the police yeah i mean that's a whole thing that i i just listened to joe biden talking about how he doesn't support that um it doesn't surprise me he's an old asshole (laughs) and i i yeah i don't know i mean i feel like i feel like like there are i'm glad the conversations are happening because there's there's change that needs to be made and 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 we we can all work to find some change that can work for for all of our communities and not just for the 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 rich white elite communities listen if someone is not supporting defund the police then the next to me acceptable thing is disbanding and restructuring the police unions. And if the answer to that is no, then you can go jump in a fucking lake because you clearly don't want to have anything to do with the solution. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, 
Oh man, I mean, we're at the end of a of a two hour and twenty minute long podcast, and <laughs> I I don't want to break it up into a couple parts, right? And I will not. I'm putting this all out of one. <laughs> <laughs> People can pause it; they don't have yeah. to listen to the whole thing. Exactly. Ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I appreciate anyone who's sticking with us. You know, I I I really feel like I need to continue talking about this. Um, and I and now now that two of our ongoing projects are on hiatus with Star Wars Club and Star Trek Club. Um, I'd like to maybe bring in some more voices that are more knowledgeable, and that's something that I'm, I'm actively yeah, like reaching out to people for. But I also like I recognize the value in escapism and just coming together as a community to talk about stuff we love together. And like I don't want to find the balance. I'm trying to find the balance. I don't want to make it as heavy as all the conversations that Barry and Iris are having throughout the Flash. And yes, like right. Doug- and you don't want to put undue emotional burden right on people that have the the lived experience to right. talk about it at this point in time right and that's really really big and something that i've i'm becoming more and more aware of and how like asking people to come on a show when i know that we are going to talk about those types of issues inherently puts that burden on people and um right yeah and, and recognizing that i can't ask people to do that who are not up for it or who not comfortable with it um that's an unfair thing to ask so i'm looking yeah. for and it, and i actually just to end out the show today i just want to put out an invitation which i've never done and i'm terrified to do this but i feel like this could be a good thing uh, anyone who's not white who listens to this podcast who has some lived experience of loving science fiction and living um inside of these racist institutions reach out to me because i would actually like to put you on the show i feel like that's the least i can do right now to try to get some more voices heard and i'd really like to hear from people who are entrenched in the science fiction community who are also voices of color that i can amplify um that's just something i want to offer just in general to any listeners of this show at this point so yeah and that's it sounds good doug we did it we had a (laughs) Another super long conversation. Um, Super long superhero super talk. Yes. So you're going to hear more of Doug and I later this week as we're going to start bringing out our old episodes of Doug Space Nine to get us caught up so that we can start doing more. In case these two and a half hours was not enough. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then we're going to have Black Mirror next week and then Firefly the week after that as long as things go according to plan. And then I'm I'm looking now to bring in some new stuff, some... um, new segments maybe some rotating guests or i don't know i'm really not sure yet uh or maybe even rotating through black mirror and firefly faster and getting us into the point where we're talking about sci-fi movies um that's what jane and i are going to be tackling after firefly is done with groups and we're going to be inviting all the space nerds to take part in that so so that's all coming up on the show we have a lot happening thank you all so much for listening extra special thank you to doug i know doug i know sometimes i take things like a little too seriously and and myself a little too seriously. And I know that you are more balanced on that side of the spectrum and keep me a little more balanced. And I really appreciate that. And I always have a blast talking to you. Thank you for, for continuing to join me for these fun conversations. It's fun. You're welcome. (laughs) And I'm sure I just made you uncomfortable. And with that, we will end. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, thank you all so much for listening. I really appreciate you. If you made it this far. Um, Yeah. Be good to each other out there. And until next time, Stay nerdy. Stay super nerdy. (laughs) Space Nerds is listener funded through Patreon. To support the show and gain access to bonus content, sign up at patreon.com slash space nerds podcast. If you love this show, help us spread the word by sharing it on your favorite social media platform or leaving us a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you can find our show. 
If you have a question or comment you'd like the Space Nerds to discuss in the next episode, email us at spacenerdspodcast at gmail.com. To browse our complete library of episodes or check out my sci-fi synth-pop music and music videos, visit my website at jessemercury.com. Keep it spacey, baby!